Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. And 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And we have a lot of different things to talk about tonight. It's the Wednesday night edition of the show. We're the youngest all together, Hocos, and we talk about stuff like drugs and consciousness more often. <laughs> I think I'm the oldest on the show right now. On the whole show? No, not on the whole show, but on oh. tonight. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, you're, you're older than Captain? No, yeah. yeah. No, not older I than Captain. I knew that. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, right right now, I think you're the oldest and Nikki's the youngest. So mm-hmm. it's like so. yeah. just like a 10-year difference or something. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's radio. So it's not like we're teenagers. Exactly. We are. <laughs> we're, we're trying to do a somewhat professional show here. Right. I don't know how we do, but it's getting better. I think so, too. <laughs> but the first story I wanted to talk about tonight was this is from the Wall Street Journal. Apparently, social media is not cool anymore. Or at least that's how I'm deciding to put it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that it's definitely getting less and less cool, if, if anything. Like, well, I it's think- definitely becoming like a culture war, uh, a ticking time bomb of, of violence. I don't know if violence is the right word, but hmm. a ticking time bomb of of passive-aggressive psychological trickery, people just arguing with each other. It's just a waste of energy anymore. It's like, I yeah. don't want to check into Twitter, but part of me is addicted to the culture war. Hmm. And I think feel like it's always evolving, right? So, like, first it was MySpace, and then that kind of evolved into Facebook and Twitter, and then, like, as those things kind of fade out... Um, Snapchat. Then, yeah, and then there's, along, like, Snapchat, Reddit. TikTok, you know, all of those, those platforms, and I feel like they all ap- appeal to kind of, like, a different demographic in a different age age group right you know what i mean that i always forget snapchat is social media i'm always like yeah i got rid of all social media and i didn't even think that i didn't it, get rid of snapchat well it feels like um it feels more like a messaging right. platform to me but i guess since you can post on your story and you can look at other people's stories and people yeah. that you don't know so i guess it is it, it definitely is social media but the way i use it at least it definitely feels more like a messaging platform yep exactly i use it more of a messaging platform but once in a while i post on my story and it's like i don't know like 15 people that i see post anymore it's it's gotten less and less oh yeah absolutely yeah. i've had the same snapchat since high school for i've like never 10 used years. snapchat oh really no? you're not really missing that much okay. honestly that's good to know yeah it's maybe uh like you don't use it instagram do you no I was going to say maybe because it's just like a very visual thing, like people use it for sending pictures back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and since I'm blind, and we don't mention it on the show that much, but I am blind and I don't use pictures, so. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, you it, wouldn't really find much use no, for that. No, no use whatsoever. The other th- uh, use for it, though, is going and just sending direct messages. So. Yeah. But the thing is, so they have the auto erase feature. And I don't know, there, there. I have some friends who I only, not like strictly, only talk to on Snapchat, but we communicate too, more frequently on Snapchat. And I don't know why, I just need to delete it because I don't have, like, it. I always, you do the thing where you're like, oh, sorry, what did you say? I, I forgot what you're replying to because you mm-hmm. don't, because the, the messages automatically disappear on Snapchat. You can change So if it. you don't remember what the person said, then it's just like... What, 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 back and forth? If you at least forth. check it like once a day, 
then you can change it now. And this has been a thing for like a couple of years where you can change it to where it's like delete after 24 hours. So yeah. That, that kind of fixed it as long as you're checking it like once a day. But yeah, but it gets to the point where it's like just message me on Telegram or Signal or text me or something. I feel <laughs> like I'm um, basically talking about how much I love Snapchat all of a sudden. But the point of this conversation is that social media actually just isn't cool anymore. At least that's what I think this article basically is saying. It says, it's from the Wall Street Journal. It says, we aren't posting on social media as much anymore. Will we ever? And I hate when media just says we. So, yeah, because I was thinking, are they talking about their own platform? Or or is is it the collective we, like all of us? Yeah, it's really hard to say what the Wall Street Journal is trying to get at here because who are they talking to? I mean, they could be talking to their readers, but at the same time, it's... It's really confusing when they use the word we. They have a mouse in their pocket. Exactly. They're trying to <laughs> yes. mouse pocket us. Yeah, yeah, it's. I just hate that. I hate when any kind of newspaper, magazine, um, you know, media says we blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh, you're so of, obviously trying to do it. I kind of dislike it in general, the whole collectivism. Like, mm-hmm. it, And it's, it's hard to get away from because um, I think it's ingrained into some of our language. But even sometimes, like, callers will call in and we'll be, like, talking about, like, the U.S. military or the government or something. They're like, we, we. It's like just Iran like, or listen, whatever. I didn't, yeah, I didn't bomb anybody. Uh, yeah. And just because we all, <laughs> or just because the people who are speaking were born here or live here doesn't mean we're part of the collective United States we. Yes. I would like to be separate from that, please. I would like to be individual. Place. I'd like to have yes. my own space. Thank you very much. Yeah, like just today. My own thoughts, my own thinking, my own will, whatever. I heard somebody do it just today. They were like, they were talking about vegetarians look at, um, they, they, they were talking about, okay, UFO um, abductions. And they're like, well, maybe they don't see it as a bad thing, what they're doing to us, abducting people and testing on them. Maybe they see it just like how we see uh, the way that we treat our livestock and vegetarians will say that the way we treat our livestock... And I was just like, oh, why is he saying we? He's not yeah. a farmer. Yeah, and it's like, I don't treat livestock... Like any, anything, yeah. Like anything. I don't really have that many interactions with... like I don't have I don't farm have animals. I don't either. So. I mean, but if I did, I'd hopefully treat them with some respect. Yeah. Is coconut livestock? Is that no, I don't think so. Coconut, <laughs> I don't know if coconut's considered livestock. I think coconut is a family friend or, yeah. or maybe just a family member, but still mm-hmm. an animal family member. I don't know where he is. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, we we're talking about the annoying mouse in your pocket um, that the Wall Street Journal is doing here where they put, we aren't posting on social media as much anymore. Will we ever? Are you posting on social media? 603-283-6160. Yeah, so you can call to answer that question talk about what we're talking about, or even change the subject. But the thing about it is it annoys me to get mouse-pocketed, as you say, Riley, but I, it's also true of me, to be fair. Yeah. I'm posting on social media a lot less. Like, I used to, just two weeks ago, post on Twitter like 10, 30 times a day, and I just went, like, I was getting in a really bad spiral because the government stole my husband, so I was just Which like, we need to remind the listeners about the government kidnapped your husband and locked him in a cage for buying and selling uh, electronic digital currency. Yep, that's true. And you can learn more Doing about so that. Doing so without permission. Yeah. yeah. The, he didn't get the right papers in place for the for the so-called government, for the tyrants, despots, and thieves. He did the same thing that some people in this case who are being called victims did, but without permission. Yep. And um, including the banks. But they don't get in trouble because, well, they had the paperwork. But you can exactly. go to... 
thecrypto6.com for that. I think it's thecrypto6.com. Yeah, it's thecrypto6.com. I always mix it up with just crypto6.com. But um, so like I was kind of feeling like I was spiraling a bit, just like, oh, everything sucks. And then I was like, I need to change something. Just going to make it Twitter. And mm-hmm. I haven't even wanted to go back on. Like today, I clicked on someone's link. For, like, Wait, this- so what did you just, the, the thing that you changed was just not going on Twitter as much? Yeah, I okay. just, I already didn't have the app. I just, un- I have logged out. And then, um, like, just today, I went on just to see what this tweet said that somebody shared in a group I'm in that had to do with, like, the bills in the New Hampshire house. So I was reading that, and I saw they had, like, three messages, and I replied to them. But I, I like, looked for a second, and I was like, yeah, I'm not even, like, as tempted to just, like, sit there and scroll. And, yeah, like, I was getting to the point where I was like, I'd see those stupid things posted, like, who was your second grade teacher's middle name? And I almost was like, Melinda. Like, yeah, you're like starting to like comment like, on stuff like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm, you do because like when I get like that, I'm like, I got to step back. My feet is yeah. full. My feet is full of for- Mormons and former Mormons. And, you know, being a hmm. former Mormon nowadays, it's like I really want to comment to all these Mormons and say, <laughs> hey, you know, you're you may think your religion's good. But those of us who've left, you treat us like crap. Oh. Yeah, I I could totally do a lot see of them that. treat you specifically like crap. Like no, I've heard many stories. I, I just generally don't comment on stuff much right now, even though I'm really tempted to. Yeah, yeah, and I I do think it's it can be a little toxic. I think because I will see stuff on my platform of choice. I guess is Instagram, and I'll I'll see stuff that I either disagree with. And this was actually a super cliche, but this was my New Year's resolution was to be a little bit nicer in the comment section hmm. on Instagram because I just noticed myself becoming incredibly judgmental hmm. in a non-productive way. Hmm. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to step back and then, you know, like if I, you, the you know, again, cliche, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all because hmm. even if I'm trying to educate someone or save them or whatever realistically they're probably not going to listen to what i have to say i'm not going to change their mind and i just end up looking like a jerk and that's how i feel about twitter as well just the part about well they're not actually listening like they i feel like most people aren't in the place that like you two and i are at as far as like Oh, I want to know what the truth is and actually get yeah. the truth. And most people don't care. Change right. my mind most if I hear just, something. Most people just want to yell at each other on a keyboard and they already believe what they believe. Yeah, absolutely. and it's, it has nothing to do with knowing. It only has to do with belief, literally. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people. Like here on the here on the show, we can have a conversation if you call in, and we can have a conversation with you. If you disagree with us, we want to hear about it. We want to talk to you about your disagreement with us because to us. Disagreement is extremely important. We can get to the bottom of what the truth is if you disagree with us. But on social media, we can't do that. Yeah. And that's that's a great point. I feel like free talk live and talk radio in general is such a better platform to have these sort of debates on. Um I, I and I think it is like the the voice aspect of it versus the text aspect of it. Because you're commenting back and forth on whatever social media platform and I just don't always think sometimes it works, but I think in general, it isn't a great method of having a legit debate. No, it's really not. Like a lot of times I say things that um, sound mean, but I'm joking, but I'm also being mean. But like, I know that when I deliver it in person, people don't take it actually mean. It's like a joke. 
And yeah. when I do that on tw- Twitter or something, it does not translate. Well, it just sounds because mean. when you think about it, what do they say? 80% of our communication is body language and not and like in that also comes like tone and yeah. delivery of how we say things. So the pitch in our voice, all, all these things create how we're communicating with people. So it's not just the actual words that you're saying. There's there's so much more to communication and all of that. All of it gets lost in text. I wonder yep. if that's done by design for the social media people, social media companies to get us lost in, in translation when it comes to communication. Because when when the people are lost in translation with communication and they're not communicating effectively, it's going to create anger. It's going to create misunderstanding. And eventually it's going to spill over into regular society. Yeah, it creates division. And I think there is a ton of division on social media uh, and also, like I see, like the social media, but also like via text. I'll, I know a lot of people who will say things to you in the text format that they would never say to mm, you yeah. either over the phone or in person. Yeah, you that's know? So true. And I've actually had people like apologize to me before and be like, "I'm sorry." Just sometimes I get behind the keyboard, and either that keyboard warrior comes out or. Or, you know, I feel more confident to say things that maybe, you know, aren't the nicest. Yeah, and it's like our shadow aspects come out when we're hiding behind a keyboard and no one can see who we really are. And, and that, sometimes that can actually be, I think, a good thing. Sure, like, I mean, I agree. But at the same time, it's like, how about, how about we really show ourselves off to the real world instead of hiding behind a, a keyboard? Yeah, well, I definitely understand and agree with you guys about the... Um, what's the word um division aspect yeah but a lot of times i feel like anonymity on the internet is a really good thing and i've never had um a fake twitter but i think about it all the time because sometimes i have things i want to say i don't really want associated with my name but i really feel and maybe it's like um not gonna sound nice but i not not to be mean to someone or something but about like the state of the world how i'm feeling about the state of the world blah 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 yeah i don't really want it associated with my name like i'm online complaining about stuff but um i think that it can be a good way to get that out you know what i mean yeah and there is a certain aspect of danger when it comes to like what you're saying on social media and how you're portraying yourself i mean i own two businesses so everything i say is could be associated, like used to be associated with my businesses. Yeah. Sure. And in one of my businesses, I actually have a business partner. Mm-hmm. And I think about that sometime because I'm the one that controls our business Instagram. And we, for the most part, have very similar philosophies. But there's a few points that I'm a little bit more, let's say, extreme on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I And I think about that and I'm like... Sometimes I will kind of put a disclaimer or just be like dash Nikki, just so they understand it's me writing it and not her, even though like, yeah, she's she's in the business with me, like she's going to be associated with me. And, you know, it's just I think about that sometimes that it's like, okay, well, I do it with like the free talk live um, social media and other stuff like on the Odyssey chat. I called Libertariat, who's a troll, a loser. And I was like, I probably should have put Dash Bonnie because I just don't want people to think like, oh, it's Captain or something yeah. Yeah. or Ian <laughs> yeah. Yeah. being mean to the Libertarian, but the, he deserves the, it. Yeah. But 
It's collectively I, from all of us. Yeah. I, think, I think it's sometimes we, if you represent like a business or a show or a, or, a, or a company or whatever online, I think it's definitely important to be a little more professional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just um, it's, it's just privacy in general. Like yeah. when I was a kid, they would always teach us all the time. Don't ever take a picture of yourself and post it on the Internet where you're right in front of your house and your house number's there. Just yep. things like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I don't know. And now that- people love doing that. Oh yeah, they you know, they love showing off their their life to get likes and stuff like that. Yeah, yep. yeah, but you do have to be careful with yep. that sort of stuff. Yep, definitely. Well, what? Why do you guys think this is going to be? Why do you think people are going on less? I'm actually surprised by it. I don't okay. know if I believe it. I'm honestly. surprised by it too because it seems like social media has dominated the the, the culture a lot. But I'm wondering if it's because People are just getting tired of keeping up with the Joneses or the culture wars going on. I'm wondering if this particular article is talking about like maybe Facebook in their um, because there are there's always new social medias coming out. So maybe when they're talking about social media, they're talking about a couple particular like the big ones. And maybe some a lot of people are kind of migrating off of those platforms. A lot of younger Gen Z or I guess like mid Gen Z that I know like people who are teenagers right now 20 21 they don't go on social media they've really? never had an Instagram oh interesting really see I don't like, I don't know uncool. if I know a lot of that age group it's like maybe TikTok definitely definitely TikTok but yeah. so this shocked me when I first started noticing it because I was like, I would just hang out with all the people I went to high school with. It would be weird for me to hang out with people who are currently high schoolers. But then yeah. when they were graduating or I would go to a concert and there'd be like a 15 year old girl, um, or like, and I start talking to them just cause we're like waiting in line next to each other. And you can't tell they're 15. They're so pretty and grown up. I know they, up. yeah, it's the makeup <laughs> and the dress, like how they dress. Yeah. yeah they well, look like they're themselves. adults. It's for sure dangerous. Just for, like, well, for like men, but we're now we're getting off topic. But so you know I mean? the pro- specific situation I'm talking about was 2019. I was talking to this girl. I was like, you're 15. You look older than me. But, um, anyways, um, no, I didn't say that, but, I mean, that sounds mean, but she probably would have been like, yay, thank you. Because she was like, obviously wanted to look grown up and stuff. Yeah. But like I was talking to her and she was like, I don't have Instagram. Well, I have one. Or yeah, Instagram. But well, I have one, but like I've never posted on it. Like what? Yeah. That's so weird. That made me like blow my mind. I was like, whoa, I'm usually I meet people and I'm like, oh, add me on Instagram. Like to everyone I meet that's yeah. like my age. But I, I've learned more and more since then. That was just like the day I first heard of that. Like her and her friend she was with, they were like high schoolers, I guess. Yeah. Um, and more and more since I've learned that, it's like everyone, like my sister's age and younger, she's four years younger than me. They just basically have TikTok and they like have Instagram, but don't post on it. So what do they do? That They don't have any social media at all? They just they have TikTok? They definitely have, like never had a Facebook in their life ever. Yeah, I guess that's normal because I feel like Facebook my, is more older folks. Yeah. yeah. My girlfriend Alana says Facebook is for old people. <laughs> <laughs> Around like how old is she? Like a millennial? She's Gen 25. Z? So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that all, that all checks Z. out. Yeah. Checks out. I, I just, I kind of do believe it. I feel like I've met more and more people in my life who aren't just young people who have like for some reason hate Instagram and Twitter, but even people like my age and older who were just like, yeah, I'm getting off of it. I realized it isn't like very productive for me. It's wasting my time. Just so many people. Like I, sometimes I feel like social media is just like the ghetto of the internet because it's just like 
you go on there and it's like they're not very many like high quality people to conversate with. I spend- well, you're not like learning there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think the the internet can be so valuable. It's such a valuable resource, but many people use it in non-productive ways. Yeah. And, and like mm-hmm. with TikTok, it's like. You know, they're actually TikTok's a great example because some people their feed is full of like educational contents and, and news and all these, you know, like more productive content to be consuming. And then some people it's just more I, I don't wanna I, I guess There's just like traps. dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah, just stuff that's not like actually important just entertainment. Yeah. In my in my opinion. And it's like, I definitely use the internet for some things that are just entertainment, not to be taken seriously. So I'm not like judging anyone like that. But I also just like, I couldn't imagine just immersing myself with that all day in and out, like there at all times. There needs to be mm-hmm. boundaries with it. And and I do think entertaining content and comedy, I think that is so valuable, mm-hmm. especially where we live in such a high stress world these days. And we're like, constantly being bombarded with like news from all around the world and most of it's really negative oh yeah um so i do think it's it overwhelming can be, yeah it is overwhelming so i think those like just funny you know you're just watching you know videos and it's funny and you can laugh and enjoy it or movies or whatever i, I do think that's valuable um but it probably is a good thing to also be consumed like knowing what is going on in the world I think is valuable. I think that's really important. I think a lot of people kind of have the blinders on and they're not aware of what's in our food. They're not aware of like what the power, you know, like what's going on with the the powers. Like how the government works You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Like they don't understand any of that and they're just kind of like blindly following orders and they're just more interested in like materialism and consumerism and... They're not really, and to each their own. I mean, like people should have the right to do whatever they oh, yeah, want. I just don't think if you're it's stuck good. in like survival mode, it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. why would you want to sit around learning about how the government works? Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. I just think it's like balance. Like you should balance your life effectively in every single way. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. It's free talk live. More coming up. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. And 603-283-6160. That's the phone number that you can call to get in on the conversation with us. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. You can change the subject. You can comment on what we're talking about, your opinion. It doesn't matter. It's Free Talk Live. And that's 603-283-6160. In this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. Before we move on to what we're going to talk about, I just want to mention that today is the Bitcoin's birthday. It's the day the first Genesis block was mined on Bitcoin. It has so many really? birthdays. I thought it was Halloween. I guess that's the white paper. That's when the white paper was And then written. there's the pizza uh, day, the Bitcoin yeah. pizza yeah. day. And we talk about cryptocurrency a lot here on Free Talk Live because we value the idea that government should not be running our money system. And Bitcoin was the first big cryptocurrency, and unfortunately, it's become rather useless as a currency because of all the high network fees, so that's why we promote Dash on the radio. I have like a um, an autism or something to where I remember a lot of these things, so I happen to also know that it's Greta Thunberg's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> really? And um, um, the it's guy It's like so who, random. Yeah. How do you learn that? How dare you? The guy who <laughs> shot people in Wisconsin... Oh my um, gosh. What's That's his like, name? I have no clue. Not a killer or like a murder, like a mass murderer. Kyle Rittenhouse. It's his birthday too. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. And they were born oh, the yeah. same year. That's like, actually really funny because those are like two. Right. Op- like they're probably the same age. But it's like two opposites. They were born the exact same day, like year and everything. And that's the reason that I saw this on the internet. Somebody said like, the thing about astrology that I can't believe is the fact yeah. that um, Kyle Rittenhouse and Greta Thunberg have the same birthday. But and that's, that's sure all it today. takes to be born in a different spot, and it yep. you know changes a lot. She's mm-hmm. probably born in, uh, I forgot what country she's, she's from. from Sweden. Yeah, oh, she's from Sweden. Sweden. I think so, yeah. Yep. Okay, and he's probably born in Wisconsin or whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I bet neither of, of them are real. Real people? <laughs> they're pro- yeah, they're probably not. <laughs> you think they're well, you think they're hallucinations, or do you yeah, think they're from like, the Matrix? Yeah, or like... Actors or something? Yeah, like what is it called when they brainwash people? Um, MK Ultra. Yes, they they were MK Ultra or whatever. They're robots. Who knows? Like I'm pretty sure he's a real person because my friend met him at the revolution thing. I'm sure you can see him with your eyes. Yeah, I can't. Except well, it's probably because I'm blind. But but when I talk about like, oh, I bet that person is just like it's a fake person, like Joe Biden. I mean, like an actor. (laughs) Like, oh, they don't really think the things they are saying out of their mouth. They're just yeah, part puppet, of the yeah. bakery. Yeah. The world is a stage. So yeah. I believe it. We yep. were talking in the last segment about this story from the Wall Street Journal. 
says, we aren't posting on social media as much anymore. Will we ever? Excessive ads, bots, and misinformation have sucked the fun out of sharing publicly, users say. And that's actually a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. The bots. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're everywhere. Lots of people log into social media every day. Fewer and fewer are actually posting. Isaiah Hug spends roughly two hours a day scrolling through Instagram. Oh, my gosh. But his last post to his main feed was over a year ago. And see, that's what I'm telling you about young people. I wonder how old he is. He occasionally posts stories which vanish after 24 hours. Quote, I don't need to add more friction to my life and have people bickering about who I voted for or what I think. The 24-year-old Marine artillery officer who is based in Carlsbad, California said, and I'm, I'm telling you, everybody his age is like that, I think. It seems yeah. like to me. He prefers one-on-one group chats, which he calls private networking. The other thing I didn't really point out is I've noticed at least for a decade that boys or males less are way less likely to have any kind of social media at all. And sometimes you'll just meet a guy and someone will be like, oh, show me him. Maybe he doesn't have anything. Or like at least not posting yeah. photos. You might have a Facebook with like an old picture and he's just like friends with his mom and like you don't, <laughs> don't have a picture of him to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the opposite of birds. You know, I mean, that sounds so random. <laughs> like, but you know how like male birds are typically very colorful mm-hmm. and flamboyant um, I feel like that's kind of how human women are, where yeah. they have to be, you know, like they like to wear makeup and they're almost like it's they're the ones trying to attract a mate and they're a little bit more into their, uh, you know, appearance, appearance and, like, and yeah. I, I just think that women have so much more fun doing that stuff. Like, I don't paint my nails to attract a mate, but yeah. it's one of like the top most fun things I can think of. You know, painting your nails. <laughs> yeah, just like decorating things on me. I put blue yeah. eyeliner on today. Why? Yeah, but that's the yeah, yeah. So girls like to be more decorate. Typically, you know, typically girls like to be a little bit more decorated and more out there, and men just don't always care as much. Like I used to feel like my Instagram was like a work of art over time of my life and pictures and my face, and I just kind of got really tired of it really suddenly. Like I just mm-hmm. was like. I don't even want to look at Instagram anymore. I don't care about what anyone else is saying. And I'm just going to, I kind of became those, that type of person for a while that just mostly posted on stories and not like on my Instagram anymore. Cause yeah. it seemed just pointless. Like, I don't know. I had a lot of changes in my life all at once and it just got me thinking. And then I just felt like it was just like, I didn't know the point of it anymore. I don't know. It says billions of people access social media monthly, but users are posting less in favoring a more passive experience, surveys of users and research from data analytics firms say. Okay, yeah, so what you were just describing, and I think I know a lot of people um, who kind of, you know, you'll see them like a lot of things, I'm but they don't the really way. post or share. Like, yeah. I'm not posting or sharing a ton because, like, the other person said in this article, I don't feel like people need to know, like, my thoughts on... The, the government or, or whatever because I'll just write about it in my journal and reflect on it later. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I wonder if social media, the rise of social media has any um, correspondence, like if there is a 
downward projection of people writing in journals or if anyone could know that oh i'm sure there is oh, with yeah. like a survey i guess yeah i'm sure there is because i and i also think you know in regards to journals it was something to do and you know it's like same with like people don't read as much books anymore they because there are all of these other things that you can do on the internet so it's like not everyone is going to take the time to write in a journal when they could watch a youtube video or watch a movie or something mm-hmm I do like to write, but for whatever reason, I've for years just felt like I couldn't just write in a journal. And I used to, like, especially as a kid and a teenager, it was just really fun to write like in a diary to me. And I stopped doing that, but I have one right now specifically for writing down my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Dream journal. And yeah. I feel like that's like, I don't know, it kind of like jogs my brain a bit more than any other, like not any other, but like most other things I could be choosing to do to do. Yeah. I think um, journaling is very valuable for that reflection aspect. So like oh, dream sure. journals. Like, yeah. So for me, I've been keeping a journal since 2009. So I have nice. a lot to look at back on. It's like 300 pages worth of stuff. So I'm excited to look back at my journal entries wow. and occasionally think, you know, I've changed a lot in the past year or two. Like I've moved to New Hampshire from Utah and it's just, I like to look back at past journal entries and reflect on my life. And you and know what? It's changed. I just realized that I think that like Snapchat took the place of that for me because Snapchat lets you look back at things. Oh, yeah. Like the memories. Yeah. When I feel like looking back, I, I think of something and I feel like looking back, I'll like scroll to that part of my memories in my Snapchat. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that'd be a fun thing to start doing because it is well, a it fun is similar. It's like a, thing. you know, a, a visual or like photo journal. Yep. I suppose. But I mean, I feel like I've lost a lot of like, what was I thinking about at the time? Because just maybe two weeks ago, I found where I had written down some thoughts I had after watching like a spirituality video. I don't know why I did this because I wasn't like planning to keep a long journal. I was like, what is this? I read it and I was like, I forgot all about that thought process. And it's really interesting. I like it. Like, I wish I didn't just write it down and forget. Maybe I should do it more. But yeah, I think that's so valuable to be able to stumble upon stuff like that and be like, oh, yeah. And it kind of, you know, brings that back. Um, Because I even think about that with I I read a lot of books um, and I probably lose a lot of that. Yeah, I think about that, too. Of that, you know, knowledge. Yeah. When you read a book and don't write about it, it's it get lost somewhere. Maybe I should do that. That's a great... Oh, my God. Th- these are all great ideas. Like, with, with the dream journal, I think it's, like, something that's just barely breaking the ice of helping me be able to start writing because I felt like I just a, a block when I thought about writing a journal every day. Yeah. But it was it's something I already just thought of or, you know, just experienced and I can write it down. Our but, ancestors definitely kept journals and it's really nice to know that they kept their journals because then we can read about their histories. We can learn yeah. about them. Yeah. Well, Do- like a lot of um, memoirs and stuff oh, like yeah. that were because somebody found their journal and it taught us so much about history oh, yeah. and what it was like to be a person in that time period. And I feel like um, social media will have somewhat of a similar thing in the sure. future. But I, it probably won't be exactly the same because you won't write down things you don't want anyone else to know until yeah. you're dead. Journals right. are more personal. And I also feel like with social media, there's such a flood of information and such mm-hmm. a flood of content. It's like, you know, if I want someone to look back on my life, it's like, okay, they're just looking at a bunch of memes and like photos of me. And it's, yeah, it does. It feels like it's more surface level where there's a lot more depth 
to a journal, especially a personal journal. You know, if you're writing like a bi- like an autobiography or like a memoir or something, um, that is something you're intending on sharing with people. But a personal journal, I mean, that it almost feels invasive to read someone's oh, yeah. personal journal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, do I you keep read a journal six zero three two eight three six one six zero? Well, I, I read my ex husband's uh, journal. Oh. Anyways, <laughs> billions of people access social media monthly. But users are posting less and favoring a more passive experience, surveys of users and research from data analytics firms say. In an October report from data intelligence company Morning Consult, 61% of U.S. adult respondents with a social media account said they have become more selective about what they post. And that's kind of vague. Mm -hmm. The reasons are varied. People say they can't, they feel they can't control the content they see. They have become more protective about sharing their lives online. They also say the fun of social media has fizzled. You know, another, since we're airing our grievances about social media, another thing I don't appreciate is how social media has kind of, it changed from you following people and then those people were in your feed. Mm -hmm. Now, even on Instagram, it's like they're constantly suggesting, oh, you would like this, you would like this. It's like the whole thing is a for you page Mm -hmm. that you would see on Twitter or or, um, TikTok. And to me, that's really frustrating because if I wanted to see that content, I would follow those people. It's like... And it is... It, it's okay if it's separate, if they're like, okay, this is where we recommend stuff for right. you. If it's a two separate thing, but... Because Twitter now, has that. Yeah, now with Instagram, it's like, I can't separate my feed. It's almost like they're advertisements for yeah, these yeah. random things. I would and love that if, if Instagram had the ability for you to choose. Because back in high school, I don't even think I had an Instagram in middle school, but definitely high school, I found it very fun to go on Instagram and look at what specifically my friends... Had yeah, posted. It was like every single day. Like I would go on Instagram. But for now long our feeds are so cluttered with everything else. It's like that you don't, I don't care. Want to do this anymore. Yeah, and I feel like they also don't understand what I like. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Thing. Like they're not doing a very good job at curating and like recommending things for me. Like for a while, they were recommending these really like traditional Christian women that were like, you need to be subservient to your husband. <laughs> and it's like, okay. It, yeah. And it was a ton of them. And, and I'm like, listen, sound like Nikki. No, it's not. She does not sound and like the type of person to be subservient you, to Matt. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, what the heck? It's like, you know, just because I like canning and gardening. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I, and I'm, I'm not really Christian. You know, I'm not religious in that way. So it's like, listen, Instagram, you got me all wrong. So I had, and it was just I frustrating because like I'm like, I don't want to see this. I don't like this. And then that stems into me posting the mean comments. Like, this is yep. disgusting. Like, you shouldn't be teaching your children this. Yeah. And it's just judgmental. And it's like, that's such a good point. I just don't want to see it. You know, I just feel like it's a double edged sword because there are instances where I feel exactly the same way. Like, why is it showing me this? I hate this. I go and block it and tell it do not show me more like this. Like on Twitter, at least it has that. I'm not sure about Instagram, but it's a double edged sword because there are also some accounts that I, like I would never have found any other way. Yeah. Um. Like I I don't know. People live in other states and I follow them more for like the informational stuff they post. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would have never found them if. It didn't, wasn't suggested to me, but for the most yeah. part, it's really off base. And then sometimes you like one post and then all of a sudden your Instagram is posted with, uh, filled with nothing but crazed Lana Del Rey fan postings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, like one thing about her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so sometimes like cringy 
or like um, the YouTubers are like Sam and Colby have a lot of like tween girl followers that yeah. post stuff like Colby when he has a bit of facial hair, heart oh eyes, heart my eyes. God, and it's like no. Jesus, and you're like, I really don't need to see this. Yeah. I really don't. <laughs> it says um, the, this lurker mentality, and do you guys know what lurker yep. means? Somebody's just yeah there to look. Yeah, yeah, they Somebody don't really just, comment or yeah. like or anything. Yep. Says this lurker mentality is widespread across meta platforms, Instagram and Facebook, along with X and TikTok. They have become some of the most powerful companies and platforms in the world due to heavy usage and interaction from users. Any threat to that interaction is a threat to their business. The companies are responding. They are investing in more private user experiences like messaging and making interactions more secure. And encouraging people to post to a more intimate audience, as with Instagram's recently expanded close friends feature, which Instagram and Snapchat both have this, where you can post mm-hmm. your story, but you you have curated a list and only your close friends can see it. David Kennedy, a 27-year-old office assistant in Chicago, has four different TikTok accounts, three for posting, one for scrolling. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. An aspiring model, he loves to post photos on Instagram, too. His friends, not so much. In a sea of Instagram reels from influencers, it is rare he spots a familiar face. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I hate the reels. It's like Instagram tried to become TikTok, and now it's like you see a bunch of videos, which I don't really like on Instagram. Yeah. I wish it was just... And that's the thing. I I do enjoy Instagram because I follow so many really awesome pages that give me a lot of educational content and mm-hmm. for, and it also gives me a platform to market and promote my own business, which is fabulous. Um, but it is, it's trying to be something it's not and occasionally it does get frustrating. Yeah. But like clearly, clearly people like it because a lot of people use the reels. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I don't go on TikTok. I don't mind the reels because I don't get that on other I, I platforms. I just think TikTok is, does the best job of probably reels. Yeah. So because that's their whole thing, yeah. It, they're so good at it that it just, everything else seems like ghetto TikTok. Like, it's just like... Well, and you'll, you'll tell um, because sometimes people will be narrating their reels on Instagram and they'll say, oh, I am making this video for TikTok or something like that. So they're re- reusing the content where... There's this feature on on a lot of social media platforms where you can share to different pages. Mm -hmm. So I can post something on TikTok, let's say, and it'll post to my Facebook and my Instagram and my Twitter. Mm -hmm. So to get the most, you know, to get your uh, post out there the most, people will post everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like recycling content. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't like cross over. Like I see people try to put shorts on Odyssey. That's just don't do that. Stupid. But even you can do that on YouTube now. Yeah. And, they have and shorts YouTube, on YouTube. And I, I don't love terrible. the shorts. I think there's a, a time and a place for it. But I think it's... And we've talked about this on the show before. I can't remember if it was a Wednesday show. But it's creating or appealing to people with very short attention spans. Yeah. So now we're having this entire generation of people who can't pay attention for longer than like two minutes yeah and it's like how are you actually like because when i when you uh, read a book for instance it's probably going to take you anywhere from like four to ten hours oh yeah you got to get into to read book. that book you have to meet the characters learn exactly about the story well and even if and- it's like nonfiction, it's like they're 
you are you can get some information from Instagram or from a TikTok, but you're going to get so much more depth of information yeah. in a book or oh, a podcast episode. Um, but people can't even pay attention for a 45 minute long podcast episode anymore. Yeah, and I don't understand that because it seems like lots of people have loved movies like my whole life and I've never really been a movie person, but now all of a sudden people can't watch a YouTube video. Yeah, but I I feel like it also is kind of the younger generation. I mean, I do see some like boomer age people who are kind of developing into this because of their social media usage. It's kind of like molding them. Yeah, it's like kind of molding them into having this sort of attention span. But I do notice this more with kids and with teenagers. I have talked about on this show before, but it was like a really long time ago. One thing that I think social media has done to old people and I don't like it and I don't get it is their misuse of ellipsis ellipses i don't know oh, yeah. yeah. plural um yep. they're constantly like how are you today dot 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 yeah and it's like are you mad at me <laughs> and i didn't know that other people thought about this but one day i was just like it was so annoying like everybody i worked with what was at least like a gen x person yeah or older and i googled like why do old people but dot 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 <laughs> after everything and, and there was like a whole a article yeah. yeah with somebody complaining about it he was like my mom Always, I'm always thinking my mom hates me or is disappointed in me or something. Cause or they have the more to text. say. I mean, yeah. an ellipsis is to me is like I've got more to say. Then why are right. you saying it? Or like a or trailing off or a pause. They just use it for period, and it makes no sense yeah. no. at all. And and I'm not saying all old people, but tons of them. Like they'll be like, "Haven't seen you in a while." Dot dot dot. And you think that. If I said that to someone my age, I think that they would immediately take it like I was like, you're avoiding me, you know, or something. Yeah. Or like something. Because, yeah, it, it typically it just means there's more there. Right. That you're either not saying or you're going to say. They're misusing it. Literally. They're not yeah, using it correctly. Yeah. And it's so weird. And and I just have I think it's Facebook because I see it all the time on Facebook and I don't Where know why. Where did they it learn is. it though? They must have learned about it in school. <laughs> I feel like we I, didn't even learn well, about it in school. But that's the thing. It's like when you yeah when you're learning, um, you know, in, in grammar your, and sentence structure, they should y- teach you about ellipsis and I, yeah. I feel like they did, but I'm them. I'm saying where did they learn how to misuse it? Exactly. I I think it's memes from India or something. Like memes from some foreign country? I don't know. Because that's what they look at all day. That's what old people look at on Facebook all day. And um, yeah, that part just irritates me. And it's just so interesting how there are different things that... like I don't remember what it was you said now, but you said something about how it affects older people. Because it's just like social media... Oh no, you were talking about how it affects younger people. Social media definitely affects older and younger people in different ways. And I think it's um, mostly negative. It's great that we're all more... I don't know. I was going to say that we're all more... It's great that we have the ability to connect with people who aren't physically anywhere near us. Yeah. I I do think that is very valuable. And that's why a big reason why I have a Facebook is to... I have family all over the country. And it's nice to be able to connect with my cousins in Alaska. It's not going to be very easy for me to go to Alaska. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's nice to be like, oh, like, look at, you know, my cousin's kids. They're growing up. And, you know, she can see the same thing about... My life. And it's just and, nice to post an update somewhere to say, here, here's what's going on mm-hmm. and, and have people look at it. I just hate Facebook so much, so viscerally. 
and so deeply. I just had to get it to where like I also have family all over the country and I just had to like give them my phone numbers and be like, hey, I don't have Facebook, by the way. And then if they have something to tell me, they can text me. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a bit harder, I guess, than just going on there and it getting fed to me. But it's just, I feel like Facebook is really harmful to my brain. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. You can call in with whatever's on your mind. It's 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. More coming up. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. that you control and 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call in with whatever is on your mind that's 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight you've got me bonnie oh wait sorry i didn't unmute you guys sorry riley and nikki she's trying to censor me yeah we need to we need to bring in the police and stop her from censoring us i'm joe biden or whatever (laughs) bonnie biden oh god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we do have a caller on the line. We have Russell from New Hampshire. Russell, what's on your mind? Hey there. So you unmuted me so me and Riley can talk? Yeah, we right. can talk, Russell. <laughs> I'm allowing it. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys a question about NH Exit and uh, tell you guys about when our hearing is going to happen. It just got announced. Okay. Which part do you want first? The question. Yeah, let's do the question first. Uh, the first first thing is, I was wondering, amongst the three of you guys, do you think New Hampshire is going to secede first, or Texas? New Hampshire. Mm, I got to say Texas, honestly. I would have to agree with Bonnie. I think Texas will be the first to go. New Hampshire is going to talk about it for a bit. I mean, we have, we have some measures coming up that will push the process, hopefully, but yeah. we got to have a conversation here in New Hampshire to the New Hampshire voters, because... New Hampshire has a lot of left-leaning voters, and I think secession would appeal to leftists whether they realize it or not. So it's getting them on board with secession that's going to be the challenge. So I think Texas might be the in first Texas, to go. In Texas, it's it's already an ingrained conversation based on their history. Of right. They used to be a, um, like, in New Hampshire also used to be an independent state, but Texas did more... Not like as in not part of the United States at all. And then they just joined the United States and they made sure they have their ability to leave if they want, like enshrined, even though. Yeah, I guess I guess that does make sense. Has there been anything recently in Texas where they're like introducing new legislation? Yes, there is this thing that they had 
um, gotten over 100,000 signatures for to mm-hmm. get it on. But the I, I couldn't exactly describe what it is. Maybe Russell could. But the Republicans were like dragging their feet getting the um, signatures verified, even though oh. it's their job. The, the bad Republicans. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, they have the same problem as us. The GOP in New Hampshire is not is not on board with our secession talk either, just like Texas yet. So, yeah, yep. they don't have any way to put a referendum on the on the ballot like uh, you know on, on like California can, hmm. and they don't have any way to make easy laws like here in New Hampshire. So they've been trying to they're trying to put something on the the primary ballot for. Republicans and the Republicans are fighting them. So we'll see what happens. So who do you think will secede first? Uh, well, my hope is that Texas secedes first and New Hampshire sneaks out and nobody notices. <laughs> is that because you want New Hampshire to secede and while well, while well, no one else is looking while they're fighting over Texas? <laughs> yeah, and nobody and and we've been joking about you know we're only point four percent of the U.S. population, so they might wow. not even notice. Yeah. We're barely even a percentage, so it's yeah. why would they want to cling to a to a, to a state like New Hampshire? Yeah, well, we're not a welfare state, though. We give more than we get. So does Texas. So, yeah, does Texas does as well? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's the that's you know that's the way it is for. Well, I think really depending on how you do the math, it's like that everywhere. Maybe New Mexico. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, but but but. Uh, the United States government doesn't seem likely to be happy with any of us leaving, so they must think they're getting more money out of us. Yeah. Or maybe it's a control thing. Like, sometimes I I think, like, it makes sense to follow the money. Money obviously has some impact, but I think it goes beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, more, there's lots of factors. And also, and, once and, and, one state and, and, and does and, and, it, it kind of opens the floodgates, right? Then right. it's like, oh, yeah. oh, well, if Texas did it, then, like, and you know Texas is doing pretty good. Like, yeah. why wouldn't we yeah. do it? Explode! It, they didn't die. Yeah, it, it opens up that question because there are so many people who are like, "It's impossible." How would you? I mean, we had one gentleman call into the show one night that was literally like, "You guys aren't going to have any electricity, <laughs> any water." Yeah, like yeah. he thought oh, that the we would just be cut off. Yeah, he thought yep. we would just have nothing. And it's like, well, first of all, most of those things are provided by the state. Yeah, and second of all, I mean. You think that we couldn't figure, figure it out? out? Yeah. I mean, it can't be that complicated. Like a million and a half people, I think. Well, I, I always like to tell people that we'll probably be better off than Haiti the day after we leave. Mm, right. There's well, there's a whole lot of countries of a, that are a lot poorer than New Hampshire will yeah. be. Absolutely. <laughs> what did you have to share, Russell? Uh, so just this afternoon, uh, you know, we have two bills that we're trying to get passed in New Hampshire related to secession. So there's the CACR 20, which is the Jason Gerhardt's thing where it would change the constitution to say we would leave if the U.S. debt gets over 40 trillion. And then that would have to be voted on by the people. Yep. Which is and then great. the other one. I, I just like uh, the trigger uh, in, in the, in that bill, instead of it just being like, Oh, we like it gives people more to think about i think oh, yeah, i, I it just does. love it it really does and plus the well, people then, of new hampshire get to vote on whether to leave or not yep and then the other one of course 
it, it, it leads to even more discussion because the other one is uh, HB House Bill 1130, which proposes that we have a study committee. Because last year, two years ago, some of the Republicans said they didn't want to vote for this until we should have done a study committee first. So this would propose, uh, this would initiate a study committee. Uh, which would study it for a few months. And yeah. it'll so answer both, so many people's questions once they're done with that. Oh, yeah. So both of these bills are going to be heard in the state federal relations committee on January 12th at 9.30 and 10.15 in the morning. That just happened this afternoon. So we know what day the meeting is. Yep, they're 45 minutes apart, which I really don't believe that the secession one will only take 45 minutes. I, I'm going to try to get as many people there as possible. I know me and my brother, I'm going to drag my brother along to it. Excellent. And um, I'm not sure if he'll be able to testify. Will they know he's not from New Hampshire? No, they don't ask. He'll, he can testify. Well, no, you just told him. That doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. you, could have, you could have somebody from Vermont there saying they don't like the idea. I mean, I don't mm. know if it really matters. Yeah. Uh, mm. Also... Now that it's got a date and time, you can go online to the state's website uh, and do your own online response. Oh, now nice! Now that it has a, it, it pops up in the drop-down menu. Now that it's got enough time, so I just, I people can do matters. that from anywhere they they are. I mean, I, I don't you think that that probably matters a little less than doing it in person? I think going in person makes a bigger impact. You get your three minutes, oh, sure. I think, and, yep. and there's it's a real human standing in front but of them. But it's still good for people who can't make like, it yeah, to have the option. Yeah, the I think in-person is always best, but if you can't make it, that is... I just don't want to give people Second like best. that out, like, oh, if you can't make it because you don't feel like it, then just do it <laughs> yeah. online because it's not the same. Oh, like, yeah. No, you yeah. got to be in front of these people so just they don't know think they're the real supporters yeah. of this thing. You need eye contact. And yeah. the thing is, like, the CACR 32, the one um, that was very similar that would have just had us um, constitutionally am- am- amend the Constitution, um, that was it- its hearing was January 2022, I believe. Well, that one had a packed room. Yeah, had we had a lot of people. And that definitely, normal. even just having that many people, at that point, it almost, not that it doesn't matter what you say, but... Makes having, its own statement. Have, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Having that many people who care this much about it mm-hmm. pack that room. I think they needed to move it to a bigger room. Yeah. Like, it was it was a whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah. that in and of itself, it like, like, says a lot. Yeah. It seems like when we get to the point where we're actually getting close to secession, those these kinds of meetings will be so huge. Have you ever heard in New Hampshire, sometimes they'll do one, like especially if it's a homeschool-related one, and they'll have so many people show up, they have to do it in the big room that fits three, four hundred people? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Nice. But yeah, it's a, it's a topic like that, that. Some, like, people care about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with this, yeah, well, hopefully we'll be bigger than last time, so... Uh, and it seems like with some of them, you know, because the, the committee is half Democrat, half Republican. And as far as I know, last time, all the Republicans were against it. Mm-hmm, so yeah. and then sometimes they ask questions, too. So if you go and do your speak, your talk, they'll ask you questions, too. So, yep. hopefully we can flesh out a lot of discussion. We'll see. So that's CACR 20 and HB 640. The one I know about is HB 1130. 
1130. 1130. 1130. Oh, 640 was something else. 640 might be a nullification related type thing. Sorry, that was actually a, that one is regarding decentralized autonomous organizations being able to make a legal entity in New Hampshire, which actually passed. And I'm a little confused about it. It's like, don't they want to be decentralized? Hmm. Yeah. It's It's a little little weird. Like, I guess if, if you really need a bank account for your DAO, then it's nice that they have the option, but you're not a DAO anymore. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. I just want to look that one up today. So HB 1130 and then CACR 20, and it's going to be January 12th at 9.30 for the CACR and 12.15 for the other one. And thanks well, says, for the reminder. It says 10.15, but I don't know when oh, it'll actually be. 10.15, sorry. I, I knew yeah. that I wrote down. That's where you get the 45 part. minutes. But I, I bet... Now, since you guys were there last time, I bet it lasted more than 45 minutes last time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like an hour and a half, maybe? Yeah, I don't even remember. But yeah, it took a long time because not every single person that showed up spoke. But most. But most of them. I mean, it's a room full of libertarians. Mm -hmm. They all want their three minutes. Oh, yeah. We we do like to talk about philosophy and liberty and all this stuff. So, But it was great. I mean, there were so many people that were so well-spoken and they said things that were really thoughtful. And then, of course, you have like the jokesters who just want to make some sort of statement or kind of make a scene or whatever, which is also cool, whatever. But um, I was very impressed by a lot of the like really well thought out i mean some people had written things out on paper mm-hmm. and it was it was really it was awesome and you don't have to and do I, that like you can just go up there and say a sentence like so so many people just yeah. have this writing block about like oh my friend's in prison but i don't know what to say i'm not trying to really be mean it's just a little frustrating it's like what do you mean like what do you talk about with your friends just write it you know yeah what, just say what anything do you yeah. think about this bill yeah. just write it and, and that's and the then thing go say it yeah it doesn't have to be you know if, if you're very literate and you're well thought out well-spoken person that's fabulous um, but it doesn't have to be that. You can just yeah. say like, "This is I. I believe in this, and this is why." It can be very simple. It doesn't have to take three minutes. You yep. can take thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. Some people have stage fright and they don't want to. They can't do public speaking, and I respect that as well. But yeah, I disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else for us, Russell? No, thanks for taking my call. Thank you yep. so much for the reminder. I definitely want to keep talking about that every day on the show. And I'm going to probably go on the Keen chat we have here on Telegram and, and Matrix and tell people, like, if you need a ride, I'll start figuring that out now. Um, Ian was all interested in it. So when I saw that those dates and times were posted today, I texted him immediately. And I told him I was going to go. And he was like, Oh, that's wonderful, Bonnie. Like, he acts like I'm doing it for him, but no, I wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> what What are the dates again? It's January 12th, 930 and 1015 a.m. Okay. And um, it's going to be at the LOB, the Legislative Office Building. Oh, so it's not at the State House? Oh, uh, yeah. It is the State House, but I think that's either the same thing or another part of it. Oh, okay. The LOB, the Legislative Office Building. So, in the last segment, we were talking about the fact that a lot fewer people are using social media, at least to post anymore. And I think it's kind of an interesting topic. We've barely gotten through any of this article, and we had so much to say about it. Because, well, social media really affects everyone's lives so much. And I think it's really interesting that social media is not cool anymore. 
And I, I think it's a good I thing. I think it's really interesting, too, because, you know, things come and go, and it's social media's time to come and go. That's so true. Like, it seemed like something that, like, maybe, like, 10 years ago, no one would believe you that young people were uninterested in social media. Yeah. And it's not 100% true. Like, young people are more interested in stuff like TikToks where they just sit there and watch stuff. They're just less interested in posting. Um and I, I would love to see the internet go back to more like websites. Like just yesterday, I visited a website that was all like these <clears throat> psychics um, conversations with dead people that they post there. And I was like, I'm on an actual website. Like I'm not on this psychic's Instagram. I'm not on this psychic's Facebook. I'm on a website. And I feel like that's just like rare for me. Yeah. I'm usually when I'm on the internet on a social media platform, you like you start to feel like that is the internet and it's it's a little weird. It would be cooler if it wasn't that way and things were more decentralized and customizable. I mean, I don't know how to do coding to like make my own website, but some people do and the internet could be more fun that way. It says here, David Kennedy, oh, I already told you guys about him. He's the aspiring model. Mm-hmm. He says, it can feel kind of lonely sometimes. If you're not seeing what your friends are posting, it feels kind of like you're living in an isolated world. And wow, he put it, that that makes a lot of sense. He's talking about going on Instagram, you post, but you don't see any of your friends posts. You only see a bunch of reels. That does feel isolating. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but a lot of social media, I feel like the whole point is to isolate people because like I almost said, oh, we're more connected, but really, are we? Like, Not I don't think really. I mean, social media is great for posting updates, but at some point, everyone's going to become either passive aggressive or passive and just consume content. Hmm. But at the same time, it's it's nice to be connected and see what people are up to. But we're also really disconnected because we don't see each other. You know, we don't see each other's vulnerability. We see each other's good or bad, and it's it's not healthy. What's well, again? It's very surface level. Oh yeah, right. It's not deep. At all. And you don't have the ability to feel their six-foot biofield, as Angie from our Sunday show was bringing yeah. up about um, COVID. Was, she was saying COVID was ma- mainly a ploy to separate people. And she said, apparently people have a biofield, an energetic mm-hmm. field around them that's about six feet from yeah, their center. Yeah, I heard her say that, yeah. yeah. And it makes a lot of sense that they would tell us to stay six feet away because of that. Hmm. In a survey conducted in the U.S. this summer, research firm Gart- Gartner found more than half of respondents believe the quality of social media has declined in the past five years. They cited misinformation, toxicity, and the proliferation of bots as reason it ha- as reasons it has gotten worse. And, oh my gosh, the naked lady bots on Twitter are terrible. They're bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, like the... The like OnlyFans ones, the ones that are like trying to scam people. Yeah, like, the fake. Yeah, I think it is fake OnlyFans. That is most time. that is the the majority of the. But it, it's always been like that, right? When you like go to like, I remember in the days of LimeWire, it was always like fake porn Ew. or um oh what is it like oh there's um local like hot oh, Asians yeah. in your area and I'm yeah. like no there's not <laughs> there's no Asians in my area you liar like but this, I, this is, is like. It's gotten like 10 times worse and it I this is the only thing I noticed about Twitter that was so different when Elon Musk took over. People were saying like it's gotten into a right-wing cesspool. I didn't notice that, but you tweet something on Twitter, three likes appear at once and you're like what the 
who liked it. So, and then you go look at him, and it's like Jessica, a fake, obviously fake person yeah. with OnlyFans links sometimes. And it's just like it. You will get like ten of those a day if you tweet a couple times. And yeah. it's really? it's gotten really bad. Oh, gosh. Like it's like it it makes things unfun because you're like, oh, I have notification. It's a stupid bikini girl. It's a double yeah. hit that doesn't really pan out. No follow through. Yeah. <laughs> so I could totally see that as being an annoying thing. It's just annoying. Um, it also makes it feel more like you're in the ghetto of the internet, which I just hate that feeling the most. It does. And that's why I brought up LimeWire because it's like, oh, like, you know, you're doing something illegal or whatever. You know, like it, it, it does feel like, you know, if this was a nice platform, there wouldn't be all these fake bikini girls yeah. trying to get me to follow their uh, nudie websites. Porn, yeah. porn commercials on the side. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh says ads and suggested posts have also sucked the joy out of apps, some users say. And that's exactly what you were talking about, the suggested posts. Those get so annoying. Oh, you you should follow this girl that you would never even choose to talk to in real life. Yeah. Like, why? Meta responded to user complaints saying it would continue to work on improving recommendations to help creators reach more people. The company added a snooze button that pauses suggested posts for 30 days at a time. And, oh, I didn't know that. Me either. And chronological feeds that temporarily only show posts from people that you follow. And that's basically all that's really Im- important about the article. We could go on, but um, I-, I think we said mostly all we really wanted to say about social media, which I feel like we had a lot to say about it. It affects all our-, our lives a lot, as we have said. And it's just interesting to me. I- I'm glad that there's an article about social media becoming less cool because I just... I, I'm not, I'm, I'm becoming more and more of a, an introvert. Like when I was a high schooler, the only thing I loved about high school was going there to talk to all my friends. Like I love to talk to people. And and then all of a sudden it's like, I got my husband and it's not like that was the, my only aim of talking to people was to get married or something. But I found somebody that like I could talk to only him all day and I became so much more of an introvert. So, but I'm pointing that out, but at the same time, I do have this belief that people kind of need to connect again. Like you'll become, you'll be less dependent on the government if you're connecting with everyone around you. Sure, and you'll become less dependent on your dopamine hits if you're becoming more connected with everyone around you. I mean, that's that's healthy. That's something we really didn't get into at all. It is an addiction, I believe, because. Anything that you know you really shouldn't be doing, but you're doing, it, it can be an addiction because your brain is making these chemicals and you're getting addicted to the chemicals your brain makes. And that's why I don't fall for it when people say like marijuana is not addictive at all. I'm, I'm not saying like it's bad, like caffeine's addictive too. I mean, sure. I drink I mean, caffeine today. Marijuana, caffeine, these are all addictive, but marijuana is, I mean, psychologically and behaviorally addictive rather than right. chemically. I mean, you may have some chemical withdrawals after stopping marijuana, or if you take a lot of marijuana, you might get something like hyper-cannabinoid syndrome or something like that, that mm. that's just building up all this cannabis in your body, and your body's trying to flush it out, but it's struggling, and so you might get really sick. That happens. Wow, I've never cannabis. heard of that, actually. Yeah, it it's. I wouldn't say it's common, but it's getting more and more common as we get higher and higher levels of cannabis products. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And since cannabis is fat soluble, it takes a while to get out, so you gotta moderate your use of cannabis. Wow, that's really interesting. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. 
What do you think about all this? Are you addicted to social media? 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church. ShireSociety.com It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I want to tell you about ForkFest 2024. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 13th through the 16th for the 8th annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the ble- uh, sorry the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Fork Fest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which has sold out in recent years. Fork Fest happens the weekend before the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Fork Fest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 13th through the 16th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, forkfest.party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 13th through the 16th. ForkFest.Party. And did I already say who was in the studio with us yep. tonight? All right. It's me, Riley, and Nikki. <laughs> Riley. And the number is 603-283-6160. Thank you. And you can call in and bring up whatever is on your mind doesn't matter if it's on topic it doesn't matter if you want to change the subject you can bring up whatever's on your mind yeah riley you brought in this article from psychology today it says the infant brain's capability of conscious experiences does consciousness begin before birth during birth or shortly after before we get into it what do you guys think i think there's got to be some level of consciousness before birth as the brain develops as the body develops I mean, we're not going to remember what it was like inside the womb verbally, but we may remember it emotionally. And, you know, a psych- like the psychedelic experiences, you might 
be able to bring that memory to the surface emotionally and have a death rebirth experience or whatever. But there's a level, I think there's a level of consciousness at some point before birth. I think it's even before that. Oh. Like you've always been, but now you're reincarnating. Yeah. And I would have to agree that you never didn't exist. That's why I, uh, I, I agree with that as well. But as far as like how conscious are you of your body and what's going on right now, I think that it probably shuts off and then becomes slowly and slowly more conscious as you're growing in your mother's womb. And I have heard stories of people who have said like, not that they remember being in there, like just like you remember yesterday, but something happens to them. Like they go to therapy about it or whatever. Like this one girl, I heard this story. I don't even know, know where at this point. Well, she, oh, I know it was in deep nutrition by Dr. Kate, um, Callahan. She said that there was this lady she met whose parents had divorced when she was, um, well, her mom got cheated on while her mom was pregnant with her and she almost died because the pain and and like suffering and stress her mom was going through affected her so much. And she had a near death experience in the womb. I think it was in deep Uh, deep nutrition. I totally believe that. I've read that book and I don't remember that. So maybe, maybe it was a different book. I do still highly recommend that book though. Deep nutrition is an excellent book. It also talks about like Um, development in the womb. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, but it is, there is like actual data to show that babies born to depressed women have higher levels of respiratory depression mm-hmm. and needing to be resuscitated at the time of birth mm-hmm. um, because they're constantly being affected by everything a pregnant woman feels, oh, says. Oh, really interesting. You know what I mean? And it's so like, it's how like, how could you be if, affected by someone's emotions if you're not conscious at all? Exactly. So yeah. it's like, if if my mom, while I'm in the womb, is so depressed and has like very low will to live, mm-hmm. why would I have like? It's like okay, you just have been programming me because babies mm-hmm. don't speak English yet, right? Yep. So like they are, it's like animals, right? So it's like they're very like primitive, and it's like all in um like feelings. It's all in energy with babies. So even in the womb, it's like. If if I'm constantly being sent messages like it's dangerous out here, I'm stressed mm, out, it's right. I'm depressed, you know what I mean? If if those are the messages that the baby's constantly getting, why would they want to come into this world? Um so that's just my theory on it. Um Yeah, but it's um, just interesting to me that, you know, here we are talking about memory and how that affects us. And I'm wondering how do we make these memories more conscious in ourselves so we can work through them and pass pass through them and and yeah. become healthier individuals? I think the biggest thing for me, at least in my experience, has been ayahuasca and mushrooms and things yeah. like that. I think there's a lot of stuff we're not supposed to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I and, and I do think past life regression can be valuable in certain circumstances, but I also feel like we're in the here and now and that was in the past. Unless there's something in your life that is being disrupted by something that happened in a past life, I think we should leave it alone. Mm. But if someone is going through a struggle, um, 
and they think it's linked to something like nothing in their life, like it doesn't make sense where this is coming from. I've seen past life regression, like hypnosis type sessions really help people overcome those hurdles. I also really quickly wanted to plug this book, Spirit Babies, How to Connect with the Child You're Meant to Have by um, Walter. This is a weird text, so I can't really. They could probably find it with that, that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only book with that title. But that is even if you're not like, you know. Even if you're not trying to have babies or whatever, it's a very interesting read, especially if you're into clairvoyant stuff or, mm-hmm. or any the topic that we're talking about right now. Really, really interesting book. I highly recommend it. It's fascinating. Um, and it it links up a lot with things that um, mediums in my life have also said. Like there's a lot of overlap there or like some of the books, the... Um, you were just talking about it. The um, the, like the past life, uh, near death. Thing. Yeah, like near death experiences. It it all links up and overlaps with a lot of those concepts. Interesting. Um, I really enjoyed that book, but it, it goes into a lot of this of like when does consciousness develop? And the other thing that's really cool is in this book they talk about it, but also someone personally in my life has had an experience like this where um somebody is already pregnant, so like the conception already happened there's already a baby developing there Mm -hmm. but someone you know a medium was able to connect with that baby's spirit oh interesting so it is kind of interesting and it it does kind of like beg the question like i think there's spirits there but like is their spirit implanted into the actual fetus developing in the womb yet and when if it's not, like, when does it come into body? Because a lot of midwives and doulas will say, like, people who work very intimately in the natural birth sphere, um, you can tell, like, when you're at a birth, especially, like, a natural non-medical birth, you can tell it's, like, God is in the room. You know wow. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not only, like, it's, like, a real emergence of, like, that physical human being, but you also, like, it's an emergence of a soul, Mm. Yeah, that's... and it does feel like sometimes like somebody has a baby, and it you can tell that their soul isn't in there yet. Um, and then when the soul enters the body, you can tell. And also, like on the complete opposite spectrum, when I've worked in hospice situations or when I have been present for someone dying, whether if they were on hospice care or whether it was a failed resuscitation attempt, um, you can. See, and to me, like you're not physically seeing their soul leaving their body, but you can tell when the lights turn off. You know what I mean? That that sounds so true to me. Like, I haven't been in that situation, but I just heard someone yesterday talking on a podcast that Angie recommended recommended to me called Let's Talk Near Death. Um, He, I never forgot his name, but he had a partner of like 10 years and she was a psychic, and he has friends that are psychics, but he's not a psychic. And his partner died, and he said he just knew she was gone, like, 10 hours before her body expired, he said. Yeah. And then his psychic friend got to communicate with her and have a conversation with him, uh, but it was really her. And he asked her that question. She was like, yeah, I did because I just couldn't stand to be in that situation with you being so sad and you seeing me like that anymore. So I decided to leave so you would uh, be able to get over it faster Mm. or something like that. Interesting. And there's plenty of stories about people who had near-death experiences or they went and talked to God or whatever. 
where it's been revealed to them that like, oh, your child died in a really traumatic thing that you are worried and anxious and like, oh my God, I hope they didn't suffer. Well, like their their soul was taken out before they could suffer. And I yeah. really hope that that's true. Yeah. yeah at, at the very least, it brings peace to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, let's get into this article. It's from Psychology Today. And it says, does consciousness begin before birth, during birth, or shortly after? It says, when does consciousness begin? There is evidence that some form of consciousness or conscious experience is present by birth and perhaps even in late pregnancy. An international team of researchers led by my colleague Tim Bain and I have concluded in a new new review manuscript. And I means not me, but Joel Froelich, Ph.D., The findings recently published in the peer-reviewed journal Trends in Cognitive Science have important clinical, ethical, and potentially legal implications. Mm. In the study entitled Consciousness in the Cradle on the Emergence of Infant Experience, we argue that by birth, the infant's developing brain is likely capable of conscious experiences. Although each of us was once a baby, infant consciousness remains mysterious because infants cannot tell us what they think or feel. According to my colleague, Dr. Tim Bain, professor of psychology at Monash University, nearly everyone who has held a newborn infant has wondered what, if anything, it is like to be a baby. But, of course, we cannot remember our infancy, and consciousness researchers have disagreed on whether consciousness arises early, at birth or shortly after, or late, by one year of age or even much later. And... I, I definitely remember partially being a baby. And my friend who is 62 now, she remembers her having her diaper changed. I don't remember that specifically. Wow. But that, I, I mean, that's going way back. Yeah, I, I do not remember anything. <laughs> I think my earliest memory, I'm probably around two years old. Mm, I, I have memories where I'm in a cradle. So I was having a dream. I was laying on my side oh. wondering what the heck my heartbeat was what's that drumming <gasps> sound and i started having a dream about these elves marching towards me and i was in a cradle like a not even a baby bed like one like step a bass- earlier than that yeah like a, like bassinet, a bassinet. yeah yeah whoa really mm. so you were like a young infant yeah because that i probably you're out of a bassinet i don't know what the weight capacity on like you know what i mean like probably younger than 18 months i'd say like definitely younger than two years old absolutely hmm and I didn't think it was coming from my ear. I was so young. It didn't. It was so abstract. I was like, that what's that so noise? Cool. I've heard it before. What's That's that really noise? Fascinating. That's really cool that you remember that. That's like the earliest thing. And then I also have memories of like, I lived in Alaska until I was three, but I have memories of all kinds of different things from that time. Like this mat on the floor I'd crawl up to. My mom uh, dragging me behind her in a sled and stuff like that. But I'm pretty sure that the thing I just told you is the earliest memory I have. And I, I would think having a dream is kind of like you you are conscious. You're having a dream. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Or even a memory. Like if you have a memory, like you have to be conscious, right? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It says to provide a new perspective on when consciousness first emerges, we reviewed recent advances in consciousness science. And Riley, do you remember anything from being a baby? Um, It's hard to say. I don't remember much from being a baby that I can think of off, off the top of my head right now. It says, in adults, some markers from brain imaging have been found to reliably differentiate consciousness from its absence and are increasingly applied in science and medicine. That's interesting. 
This is the first time that these advances, as translated to infants, have been reviewed in detail. My co-author, and again, that's the writer of this article I'm reading, not me, Dr. Lorena Nat- Nassi, Associate Professor at Trinity College Dublin in Ireland, who leads the Consciousness and Cognition Group, explained, Our friends, or sorry, our findings suggest that newborns can integrate sensory and developing cognitive responses into coherent conscious experiences to understand the actions of others and plan their own responses. It is even possible that birth itself triggers the onset the onset of consciousness. And I have thought of that before. I mean, I told you the story about the girl who had a near-death experience in the womb, she says. Yeah. But sometimes I wonder if birth triggers your consciousness because, like, why does your birthday have so much to do with your life? I believe it does. I know some people are like, oh, well, because it oh, doesn't. Oh, yeah, like in, in terms of like astrology? Yeah, why yeah. would that be more important than like, oh, three days after like you your conceived? conception? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's entirely um, possible that our birth experience might be very traumatic because here we are going from a really warm, comfortable place to yeah. our mommy's tummy, our mommy's womb, and then boom, we're pushed out in the world yeah absolutely that is yep. an incredibly formative experience and most of us don't remember it in our thinking brain yeah um but a lot that happens to you in during birth is absolutely imprinted uh and even like a lot of like they say the first three years of your life are like the most formative years which you may be like that's crazy i don't even remember anything before i'm three uh, a lot of people don't but that doesn't mean that those things that you can't remember, like they still left an imprint on your body. They still left an imprint on your emotional and your or like emotion, emotional like processing capabilities. I think there's so much. I think the stuff we don't remember affects us more than the stuff we remember sometimes, honestly. Mm. So but, my mom actually told me that when I came out of her, I did not cry at all. Wow. Did they so, have to like spank you and make yeah. you? I hate so, that. I mean, I guess it's necessary. Yeah, well, they don't have to do that. But oh. <laughs> I had an experience with cannabis once where I saw my birth experience, but I was really? off to the side. So I'm wondering if Whoa. part of my spirit or my spirit was off to the side when I came out of my mom's tummy. And then when they yeah. spanked me, it just went back in. Whoa, that is abs- that is possible. It's an interesting thought. That is it is really interesting to think, though. That's yeah, interesting. really interesting if babies aren't just stuck inside their mom for nine months. Yeah. If they are like floating all around, looking around, yeah. yeah, looking at their dads and stuff, that's crazy and really interesting. But um, I'm trying to remember exactly where I was. I here. also um, just really quick, I I just thought of something. So when babies, so at a certain point, they can hear while they're in the womb, mm-hmm. and somehow people have been able to test this. But you can tell when a baby's born and their father speaks. They will turn their head and you can, t- and it's different than if there's like some random nurse in the room that they've never heard before. Yeah. They won't be as interested, but they are very interested in listening to their father speak. Oh, and um, that's, cool. that's why like the skin to skin with the father, like right, not like immediately after birth, typically it's with the mother, but like shortly after, you know, like once mom needs a break or whatever, then we'll do skin to skin with dad uh, on the chest and that is a really important moment for that father-baby connection. Um, and babies absolutely know their fathers. That's crazy. Because, um, like, of course, you know your mother, you were inside of her and yeah. whatever. Yep. Um, but they also know their fathers. And um, there's also been some research done that in instances where babies are being resuscitated, 
they want the fathers to talk to the babies during the rest resuscitation process and she'd be like hi baby you know like it doesn't have to be anything like crazy just like hi baby oh i'm i'm so happy you're here yeah. like you know just whatever that's cool because they notice that when the father like enters the room or a father comes home from work or something like that the mother's heart rate increases hmm. and the baby knows Mom likes him. Wow. Like, she's getting excited that he's here now. Like, she's, that he makes her happy. Aww. Hopefully. <laughs> you know, yeah. obviously, not everybody has a relationship like that, or not yeah. everybody has, you know, like a baby daddy like that. But, um, but generally speaking, um, that is the case. And they've done all sorts of research regarding these topics, but it's just fascinating. And, and when you think about that, it's like, well, they, they have to at least be in there consciously some part of the time but maybe i mean they're so close to the veil at that point like maybe they can have out of body experiences maybe they can go off and communicate with people maybe there's different pieces and aspects of the soul and maybe some of it's there but some of it's elsewhere i mean it's just we really don't know yeah and it's fascinating like thank you for sharing that riley it's so so interesting yeah um it looks like we do have a caller on the line though so i'm gonna go to the phones dave ridley in new hampshire you're on Free Talk Live. What's in your mind? Is it okay to talk about myself? Yeah, you can change the subject. It's, sure. That's the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I, I managed to call you right in the middle of hiccups, so this is not going to Oh, be no. Anyway, the, uh, so um, thanks to uh, our mutual friend, Chris Wade, over at ThinkPenguin.com. Uh, I have been uh, on our Ridley Rampage. He's one of my advertisers. Um, and... And uh, <laughs> so one of the things I did, it kind of gave me an epiphany. I went to uh, Keene City Hall, and I have this little, you know, this little fate, this alternate Pledge of Allegiance that I say that I just got off of Facebook, basically. Yep. And so when you get to the part, you get about a third of the way through the, the pledge. I just say it in unison with everyone else, and I say, uh, I say uh, one empire under fraud completely visible with lying and spying on all. And completely I say it visible. <laughs> I like I, it. I like it. I say it a little louder than you're supposed to. <laughs> so, uh, of course, people really hate that. And then I'll just get video of how they react. Um, <laughs> in this case, I've saw more angry faces than I've ever seen at, at Keene, <laughs> Keene City Council. That's I don't funny. think I've ever done this at Keene City Council before. Uh, but I've done it at a bunch of other places. Uh, but but it, uh, it gave me this idea I got video of it. You can see it on the channel. But it gave me this idea, uh, you know, actually, maybe, you know, Buckminster Fuller used to say, you're really better off, instead of complaining about something, you're better off providing an alternative. So I think it actually might be better to say, like, a, a sort of a, like, to, to make a Pledge of Allegiance more like to New Hampshire and sort of say that. Uh, although I'm not in favor of pledging allegiance to New Hampshire, per se, but sure. I, I thought about maybe... Maybe I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I'm not in favor of pledging allegiance to any government system, state, or whatever. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I agree. So I thought it might be appropriate to say something like I pledge goodwill to the independence of the sovereign state of New Hampshire and and uh, peaceable resistance against you know the federal government or something like that. I don't know what else what else I would say, but I'm working on it. I'm working on a better pledge. I, I asked uh, an AI to write one for me, and it refused. Really. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That's hilarious. It was, uh, yeah, it was Microsoft. It was a Microsoft Copilot, and I asked it. He said, 
It said, well, I am not, as a large language model, I am not qualified to write something so patriotic and solemn. Well, like, why don't you just try? <laughs> that's so silly. That, and that's so weird because they'll do pretty much anything you tell them to, right? I've run into I mean, some if they things can... they'll refuse. Like, I really? was like, tell me what you would say in court if you're fighting a traffic <laughs> ticket. And it's like, I can't do that. I mean, that that does sound a little bit more complex. But like, right that, you know, they clearly an AI knows their regular Pledge of Allegiance, right? It so come up with their they'll, own. They'll, it's not that it's like, I can't think that way. It, it's or I can't do that. It's their They were programmed not to do it because they their programmers don't want them to do something offensive yeah. or give you legal it's, advice. Yeah, right. they, that does make sense. The, the AI can dumb. only be that is dumb can only function as far as it's programmed now but yeah who knows in a year or two or three or four or five that might change hopefully after i'm dead <laughs> well david anyway, if you if you never know what to do with the pledge of allegiance you know this is this is always what i've been really happy with you know <laughs> i just love saying my 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 version instead of theirs did anyone uh, say anything perfect. to you no i just got a lot of dirty looks and a bunch of people are gonna probably not talk to me next time i Next time I go to Team City Council. <laughs> I do like yours better, though. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's pretty accurate. If you get, like, a whole crowd it's there, good. that would be pretty good with, like, yeah. and we overpower them. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, and the, the existing, the the one that I used from Facebook, um, I did post a copy of the full text right there. It's just at report.com. It's probably the most recent video. And so you can find it, and then you can read it at your next City Council meeting. That's awesome. All right. So RidleyReport.com. Thank you so much for the call, Ridley. You can find his videos on BitChute and Odyssey and now YouTube again because he was kicked off for a while. Well, he was never kicked off, but he was like stepped, he stepped away from it so that way he wouldn't get kicked off. Yeah. But since he stopped having so many strikes, he's back on YouTube now. Dave Ridley of RidleyReport.com. He does great work. Yes, he does. I really appreciate his videos. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. You can call in with whatever's on your mind. More coming up. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me... Government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. Talk 
Talk Live, talk radio that you control. And 603-283-6160 is the phone number here. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I want to thank Duster, who's a silver level amplifier with us. Duster is giving at least $5 a month to the AMPS program. And that stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So Duster is giving $5 a month to support Free Talk Live. And thank you so much, Duster. If you'd like to learn more about the AMPS program and sign up for yourself, you can go to ampsamps.freetalklive.com. And thank you again, Duster, for supporting us. We really appreciate everyone who does. Absolutely. Supporting Free Talk Live is extremely important this time around because we are we're basically in a time period where freedom of speech is not as free and easy to come by so we're on the radio giving you the opportunity to speak your mind yep i i I really agree it's like a more important time than normal yep for standing up for freedom of speech i mean we're the only talk radio show like this at all we also are the only talk radio show on radio that's that has women as a panel. Like, I don't know of any other talk radio show on the radio that has a show where three women are hosting. And not to say that I'm a woman, but, you know, every other week we have Bonnie, Lori, and Nikki. Yep. And they're all women. And that's very rare in talk radio. Oh, absolutely. I never really thought about that. Like, I knew it's rare for free talk live, but never really thought about it about radio specifically. Talk radio is very male-centric, yeah. and it's just very unique that free talk live has women hosts. Yeah, it is a definitely a very uh, male-dominated and industry. Yeah. Well, in the last segment, what we do here is we bring up subjects we want to talk about, usually articles, but you can call in and bring up whatever is on your mind, and that's 603 But in the last segment, we were reading this article that Riley brought in from Psychology Today, and it has sparked so many interesting conversations and thoughts within me and uh, this whole discussion with us three in the last segment. So continuing here, it says, they say it is, they're they're discussing, I didn't explain what the article was. Their, Their question is, does consciousness begin before birth, during birth, or shortly after? And it's all about the infant's brain's capability of conscious experiences they say that it is even possible that birth itself triggers the onset of consciousness perhaps the first thing the newborn infant realizes is that the outside world is very unpredictable relative to the womb's environment things are constantly changing and so the newborn must build a mental model of the world to adapt and predict things maybe that's why they just close their eyes yeah i feel like i my friend just recently had a baby and she had her eyes closed every time I go to see her. And I first saw her the day after she was born and I saw her pretty often and she, her eyes were always closed. And I, she, and my friend, she would talk about like, Oh, the baby's eye color. And I was like, does she like have her eyes open? And she would be like, yeah, she'll have her eyes open. For You're like, is she like She's a like, kitten where like no, her that's eyes are what closed? I, said. I was like, yeah. honestly, I didn't think much about it. Like I had two siblings that were born when I was a teenager, but I, did, I wasn't yeah. thinking about yeah, that exactly. or I just yeah. forgot, I guess. So I was like, yeah. wait, okay. It seems like her eyes are always closed. Wow. I just realized like she opens her eyes because it's like 90% of the time they have their eyes closed. Well, every baby 
has a different personality. Hmm. So it's funny. Some babies will be born and then they're just like kind of looking around the room like very inquisitively. And it's like, wow, that baby is just like really soaking it all in. And then some babies are born and they're crying. Some babies are born and like you said, like they just... And I think it depends on like the the ambiance in the room too. They don't like bright lights, hmm. so if it's if it's bright, you know they'll they'll more than likely have their eyes closed, and hmm. and they do spend most of their time sleeping on and off. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's it, it's interesting because even right when they're born, they have their own different personalities, and yep. even you know women who have had multiple children. I mean, you know, Bonnie, your mother has had multiple children, so she might even be able to tell you mm-hmm. different babies in utero will also have kind of different personalities where yeah. some of them move a lot, some of them don't, you know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, it's just really interesting. And it's also interesting how somebody who's not talking can barely really move. Well, they move, but they're not like really in control that their arms are like they'll flail and stuff like that. Like they're not in good control of their body can have a, a perceptible personality. Like yeah. my friend's baby is like three months old at this point and obviously has gone through so many different changes but her like core personality we pointed out like on day two is still there. Like we'll be like, oh my gosh, she's so... I don't know how to explain it. She just is sassy. It, it's just a thing <laughs> that was there even on day two that we're talking about. And it's still there. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's something I was thinking of earlier that definitely makes me think like she's been conscious this whole time. It's not like she's just been unconscious and then one day it's going to happen when she's three years old. I don't know. Maybe it happens yeah. different for different people. I don't know. But they're not just like a blob. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they are like a... They're already a human being. Mm-hmm. So I know my girlfriend, Alana, can be kind of sassy. <laughs> I wonder if she's a sassy baby. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I hope that has. That's funny. Maybe her mom would would say that. That would yeah, be probably. so funny. It says, however, we don't rule out the possibility that consciousness might already start some weeks before birth. And it's a little weird. This article seems to be saying like, oh, only some weeks, like yeah. not the entire time. Right. But... My co-author, the the author of this article says, Dr. Julia Moser, currently at the University of Minnesota, has led work showing that third trimester fetuses appear to be capable of learning sequences of auditory beeps. When an auditory tone deviates from a pattern established earlier in the experiment, the fetus shows this surprise response in its magnetic brain activity. Wow. The neural activity... Shows a field deflection as if the fetus is saying, huh? That's crazy and so funny. Yeah, that's really interesting. It shows this picture here, which is worth pointing out, of it looks like a canyon and a sunrise and a river flowing through it. And it shows normal adult perception, like somebody with like 20-20 vision looking at that. And it shows the same thing, mostly mostly blurred out with just like the darkest parts looking dark and the lightest parts of the sunset looking lighter. And it's this infant perception. It says how we adults see the world is very different from how infants see the world. And I guess that makes sense because their eyes are developing from not having to look at anything for nine months. Our new, well, I don't know how long the eyes are around, but some months. (laughs) Yeah, I think they... The basis of the eyes probably develop around like eight weeks, maybe, Hmm. maybe before that. Our new paper also sheds light on what it is like to be a baby. We know that seeing is so much more immature. We know that seeing is much more immature in babies than hearing, for example. 
Furthermore, this work suggests that at any point in time, infants are aware of fewer items than adults and can take longer to grasp what's in front of them. But they can easily process more diverse information, such as sounds from other languages, than their older selves. Infants can perceive many things that adults cannot, like the differences between vowel sounds in a foreign language. Hmm. By 10 months or so, we lose this ability as the brain decides these perceptual differences are no longer relevant and discards them. Wow, that's crazy. That is really crazy. It's like the brain is shedding neurons or something. It's like you are interested in something as a baby, but then your parents keep telling you, oh, that's not there. That's not real. This is that and that is that. And you just decide to see it differently. So crazy says it's still unclear when exactly human consciousness begins, but we hope our paper will guide new research by reviewing what we already know and what questions remain. I'm fascinated by the question of whether infants or even fetuses can already dream. A promising new theory of dreaming is Eric Hole's overfitted brain hypothesis, which says that dreams are essentially scrambled versions of inputs from waking life that help with generalization learning so that you learn to recognize things in new contexts and new situations. Okay. A newborn has barely begun to learn anything yet, but perhaps they already dream about the sounds and smells of their mothers. If fetuses dream, perhaps they dream of the taste of the amniotic fluid. Mm. Whoa. As I recently told Dear Spiegel, which I guess is a magazine, Dreams are weird, and fetal dreams, if they occur, are probably weirder than anything we can imagine. And that's the whole article, and that was a very, very interesting article. More so at the beginning of the, um, in the last segment, it sparked a lot more um, interest from us because it's just, I don't know, like, I feel like everybody has an an opinion on it. Yeah, it's very thought-provoking, too. Mm -hmm. And this is something, like, people don't always think about, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't think typically think about infants having consciousness or babies having consciousness, especially when it comes to things like male circumcision. They're like, oh, well, they're not going to remember that, but you know, we're going to remember things like that. Yeah, they yeah, they remember it in some way, and it mm-hmm. and it's like I was saying in the last segment, it's not always you remembering with your thinking brain, but the body remembers, and that yeah. absolutely, I mean, that how could it not affect someone? And even just things like when you're in the fetus, you're affected by it for the rest of your life. And one thing about it is that you could be affected by something for the rest of your life without specifically remembering every detail, like, oh, a fight between your mom and your dad and you're in utero. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's that you didn't even understand the language. All you understood was the vibes. It's sometimes like you wake up from a dream and it's really hard to remember because it was more vibes than images. Like, yeah, that happens to me all the time. But it could definitely um, change your whole life. Yeah, you remember how you felt, but you don't necessarily remember the details of what happened. Well, that was a really interesting article. I'm going to move on to this article from the AP. It says, The New York Times sues OpenAI and Microsoft for using its stories to train chatbots. The New York Times is striking back against the threat that artificial intelligence poses to the news industry, filing a federal lawsuit Wednesday against OpenAI and Microsoft seeking to end the practice of using its stories to train chatbots. And I think that's absolutely dumb. And nobody should be able to sue and win over this. Oh, I agree. I think, you know, if people, if AI companies want to train their chatbots to look at news or whatever and analyze it, why not? They should be allowed to. 
I mean, these people are putting this on the internet, and it's not like they're... It's not the same as plagiarism. Like, I can see the idea that plagiarism is wrong. Not that I really believe in suing people over it, but I can see that it's not like a good, nice, cool thing to do. But it's not plagiarism. It's training the chatbots how to do things like the New York Times. And sorry, you're a household name. If somebody sits there and makes a parody and their brain is a lot like the AI... You have no control over that. Plus, it gives the chatbot to learn about the news and talk about, and learn, not necessarily talk about it, but, you know, if someone asks a question about a news article, it's going to be able to come up with something about it. Yeah, like, hey, OpenAI, write a news article about Riley and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. And, and <laughs> then they write an, a story about that, but it's written in a news article type format right, in a, in, as, as though it's written from the new york times perspective exactly and and the other thing about it, it the, about these people that sue over stuff like this all the time well these entities i guess um these corporations i don't understand it because all it does is help your get your brand out there like somebody can type oh right in the style of the new york times you know yeah. and i just don't understand cutting that off it's so stupid and i just hate the litigiousness of the united states it's so bad the times says the companies are threatening its livelihood by effectively stealing billions of dollars yeah (laughs) right billions well maybe the new york times should become more relevant and stop worrying about chatbots yeah yeah like that doesn't yeah if that's happening it has nothing to do with chatbots and this is like and this is another thing where um like intellectual property, you know what I mean? Like this is worse than intellectual property. It's like, no, I I just don't understand. Like if somebody can program a chatbot to write like the New York Times, that's not the same as being the New York Times. Yeah, they're not as copying. the New York Times. They have so many. They have so many more resources. They have so much more advertisement. Like all of the these things. I just don't under I don't understand. It couldn't possibly be threatening them, and even if it no. was, well, maybe it's time for the New York Times to die. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, why are you so afraid of competition? You're yep. the New York Times. Yeah. Yep. And, and the thing is, that's the thing about people suing people all day in in the United States. It's just that I feel like there are certain things that should just die when it's their turn, when it's their time. Like we were talking about social media earlier. Maybe social media doesn't need to be on top forever. Like, there's no, there's nothing written in stone about that. It can eventually die. It's the natural progression of things. And you'll see, like, where, you know, Facebook and all of these, you know, going back to social media, like, they will are constantly changing and developing. And, and that's what you have to do in any industry. You have to stay relevant. You have to stay with the times. But they want to just keep making money like they always did in the 80s. Yeah. Well, tough. Says the media has already been pummeled by a migration of readers to online platforms. I guess it means the media as in like newspaper outlets. But while many publications, most notably The Times, have successfully carved out a digital space, the rapid development of AI threatens to significantly upend the publishing industry. Web traffic is an important component of the paper's advertising revenue and helps drive subscriptions to its online site, but the outputs from AI chatbots divert that traffic away from the paper and other copyright holders. I don't believe that. Like, seriously, when was the last time you, either of you guys were reading the output of an AI chatbot's newspaper article? 
Never. I've never uh, yeah. done it. I've never Seriously, done that. never. Well, yeah. the only time ever was when people were jokingly writing articles about Ian going to prison and yeah. stuff like that, or just the Crypto Six in general. So that has happened, but I it, it wouldn't. It's not like oh, if they didn't do that, I would have been reading the New York Times. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like to me, it's like I don't think I wouldn't trust an AI to be able to report. Yeah, news accurately. I guess uh, I say the same thing about the New York Times, right? Yeah. Which is but, why I don't pay any attention to the New York Times. <laughs> but, but I think I would probably. I, I don't know. I just wouldn't trust an AI at this point to be able to like re- actually like legitimately report on on current events. Like I would, because obviously they're just getting that information from somewhere else. So I would just go to whatever the source was. Maybe an AI can help draft an article to make it look more professional, but that's about it. Yeah, like sometimes you get an article from like some other website, not usually like something like the New York Times or even AP, but. Something like the the Daily Sun, I think, is one of those kind mm-hmm. of like tabloidy, but trying to be newsy ones or like New York Post. And you're like, was this writ- written by AI? It probably yeah. was. Save, saving somebody time. Yeah. Sometimes it feels that way. It definitely does. It says web, tra- web traffic is an important component of the paper's advertising revenue and helps drive subscriptions to its online site. But the outputs from AI chatbots divert that traffic away from the paper and other copyright holders, the Times says, making it less likely that users will visit the original source of, for the information. These bots compete with the content they are trained on, said Ian B. Crosby, partner and lead counsel at Susman Godfrey, which is representing the Times. An OpenAI spokesperson said in a prepared statement that the company respects the rights of content creators and is committed to working with them to help them benefit from the technology and new revenue models. And that's the thing, like, they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to be working with old newspapers to help them benefit from their new technology. It's just the it's just the times. Yeah. yeah. Times. Yeah. Just the times. It's just how things are now. Like, you got to get over it. We, we don't have to, like, pay old people that sit around th- saying, like, I wish that the internet didn't exist. I wish we could go back to where the internet didn't exist. Do, do we have to give them money? No, we don't. It's stupid. <laughs> or just, like, you know, change the world for them. Like, you know what? You're right. We're not going to use the internet, okay? We're not going to use the internet because you We're don't like it that way. We're to cater to you to make you happy, okay? It's just so silly. And then the old people complain about the young people being fragile, so. Right. But it's just the corporations are even worse about it. Like these corporations believe that they need to be propped up even if they're a failure. Well, and they're used to getting whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And they're used to like ruling, you know, ruling their industry. They're used to being the old guard. They're used to being the the prominent news sources. And now that they're dying, it's hard for them to find any relevancy. Says our ongoing conversations with the New York Times have been productive and moving forward constructively. So we are surprised and disappointed with this development, the spokesperson from OpenAI said. We're hopeful that we will find a mutually beneficial way to work together as we are doing with many other publishers. And that's a really nice people PR way to say that these people are, you know, they suck. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Microsoft did not respond to requests for comment. Hmm. So I guess Microsoft is one of the other AIs. Yeah, that's another AI developer. 
Artificial intelligence companies scrape information available online, including articles published by news organizations, to train generative AI chatbots. The large language models are also trained on a huge trove of, of other human-written materials, which helps them to build a strong command of language and grammar and to answer questions correctly. And that's a good point. Like, I could I, if they win, could I sue and say, listen, OpenAI probably scraped my tweets. I could have a million followers and be making good money right now if OpenAI wasn't scraping my tweets tweets off the internet <laughs> could anyone do that like even actually people with a million tweets could they they do that maybe they really shouldn't let these people win this suit it's yeah it'll be interesting to see how it turns out we'll have to follow it that's the thing it could open up an entire can of worms that i don't think i, I just really don't think it's necessary yeah says the technology is still under development and gets many things wrong in its lawsuit for example the Times said open ai's GPT-4 falsely attributed product recommendations to Wirecutter, the paper's product reviews site, endangering its reputation. Like, if anybody reads something written by OpenAI and they're like, whoa, this is true, and now I I think badly of this company, Wirecutter. Well, then they're dumb. And it doesn't matter what they think. It's important for us to remember that in this day and age, we have to vet everything that we read and we don't really want to, but at the same time, it's important to do that. Yeah, they could just write an article, in, like, um, you know, educating people on stuff like that. Yeah. If they want to combat that. Microsoft has a partnership with OpenAI that allows it to capitalize on the company's AI technology. The Redmond Washington tech giant is also OpenAI's biggest backer and has invested at least $13 billion into the company since the two began their partnership in 2019, according to the lawsuit. As part of the agreement, Microsoft's supercomputers help power OpenAI's AI research, and the tech giant integrates the startup's technology into its products. Wow, I had no idea that they were connected. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. More coming up. Don't go anywhere. that you control 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight you've got me bonnie riley and nikki and we've been talking tonight about many different topics that's how free talk live is we'll be on some topic about some article and then somebody will call in and even change the subject which is great and actually tonight or, or right now we actually have a caller on the line so david from new mexico what's on your mind lots of stuff bonnie like what? Um, I got the earliest. Oh, like I got an earliest memory. But first of all, oh, cool. radio business news: uh, the, the the morons at uh, Kotex Bloody Mess Radio in Golden Showers, Arizona, they they had you on Monday through Friday, and they're they're replacing you with that Kate Daly, uh, annoying chick on the radio. Unfortunately, Kate oh, Daly. No. Daly, yeah, she's, she's actually. So funny thing about Kate Daly is she broadcasts out of Southern Utah. 
She, I used to listen to her when I lived in St. George several years ago, but I just stopped listening to her because she became too much of a conspiracy kook. Hmm. She became a Trumpite, and I was like, you know, dude, I, I don't want to listen to you anymore. Wow. You're not pro-liberty. You're pro-America. Yeah. I can't take that. So I stopped listening to her. I mean, she's she's a nice lady, but I think she's too much of a statist for my taste. But anyway, go ahead, David. And and, and she's annoying. She 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 her. Uh, I mean, not that I'm not, but her cadence when she speaks, she pauses after every word. She's like, and then yeah. They, oh no, when, that's horrible <laughs> for radio too. Wait, yeah. wait, are you saying you like my voice more than her, David? Oh hell. Are you a mind reader? Are, are, is there a camera in here somewhere, Bonnie, or a microphone? No. Or in my head? It's I just that you used earlier. to make fun of my voice. I wasn't actually making fun of it, Bonnie. I told you back then. I, I said uh, imitation is the, the what is it, the finest, whatever, the form, form of the flattery. Form of flattery. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And Bonnie, because oh I liked it. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, actually, I, I, was, I have I a camera in there also. I want to put some clothes on, man. I don't like this, I don't like this uh, invasion of privacy stuff. Um, but yeah, I actually had that thought earlier that I, that I was going to uh, tell the, the people at uh, Cotex Radio, KTOX, um, in uh, Needles, California, that, that, that I actually way, 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 way prefer Bonnie's voice to this Kate Daly thing. That's awesome. Thank you, yeah. David. Um, what welcome. was the Anytime. earliest memory you said you had? That sounds really interesting. Well, the coolest, I got several actually, and they were from like 18 months, 18 months old. Wow. And, um, yeah. And the, the, the coolest one was, cause this even blows, this blows me away. It's like, I was in the, the living room one day, you know, and, and pictured, I mean, this, this is like way, way back, you know, however old I am, it was that long ago. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, every, everything is like vintage furnishings, vintage decor, vintage everything. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm in the living room. There's a TV on the TV stand over there, and you got your you know couch and your lamps and whatever. And and I just had I had this thought. I was looking at the the electrical outlet, and I'm like, the thought I had was, why does the electricity have to go through the wire in the wall? Why can't it just go through the air to what you want to power on? You know, like the TV. Huh. Wow. So how's that for eight, how's that for 18 months old? That's, That's crazy. Yeah, and then flash forward. Uh, all these years, and now they they actually they actually do that, like with wireless charging for your phone. Wow! Yeah. So David was probably Tesla in a past life, <laughs> Nikola Tesla. Yeah, I was, yeah. Actually, I was I was going to say. I mean, I don't know about that, but <laughs> but uh, um, what's impressive is having that at that age. You know, where does that come from? Did you have some past life where you were involved with electricity? You know, you know what was it? But obviously, uh, Nikola Tesla was actually. Uh, talking about electricity going through the air instead of through a wire, he was right. actually experiment, you know, experimenting with that. You know, however many decades before I was even born. Right. That's why I said that. That that is. Yeah. It, it makes me think maybe there's something that you carried over from, if not a past life, because some people don't even necessarily believe in that. It could even just be like whatever you were, your consciousness couldn't have possibly just appeared out of nowhere we we know that things don't appear out of nowhere maybe your consciousness existed in another realm and it knew things like that were possible and you were just like still holding on to a little bit of that does that make sense yeah yeah i've had that thought i i honestly i have you know i have no idea that uh or you know for real you know how can i know any of that but that that is a thought that i've had is if that's a possibility of, of how that happens wow what was the other one? Didn't you say you have more than one? 
Yeah, well, well, in that same vein, I, I actually still have a baby spoon, or actually, my mom has it, and it has a, you know, a silver. It's a silver baby spoon, and it has a a, a nick burned out of it where I had I had stuck it in the outlet, trying uh-huh. to uh, to experiment with electricity. Oh my gosh! And um, yeah, and that was in that same eighteen months. And then the, the the way that I found found out that I was that young was um, I was telling my mom uh, a while back about a dream that I had had. I wanted to ask her about it, see if she, if she knew anything about it. I said, I had this dream when I was, you know, like 18 months old, two years, whatever it was. And that I was, I was outside in the yard and this huge wind just came up out of nowhere. And, you know, as a toddler that had just started to walk, I was trying to make my way back to the, to the door of the house. And I was literally like having to lean into the wind, like literally like a, like a, I don't know, maybe almost a 45 degree angle. If you can picture that uh, in order to not get blown over backwards and she and she got this this really blank look on her face and her mouth dropped open and she goes you remember that and it turns out it wasn't a dream it was it had actually happened wow, wow. interesting that's so cool yeah so but yeah so it yeah, um and i didn't know that you know, until i was until just i mean it was a whatever 15 10 15 years ago that i had that conversation i didn't know i had uh, thoughts that went back that early until i had that conversation that's really, really cool. Thank you for the call, David. Oh, here's a, oh what'd here's you say? A good, wait, here's a, here's, a, here's a quick good one for you. I just in, in that in that same time frame, I, 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 like I said, I feel I feel like I was born an adult, <laughs> and you know I've deteriorated. I've deteriorated since then. You know, I've gone back to be more of a a child. But the, um, but because one thing I did at that same time, I was sitting in my high chair at the breakfast table, and uh, my mom asked me if I wanted more milk, and 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 I said, yeah, uh, half a glass. And so she started uh, pouring the milk and, and I had this, and, and I knew, I predicted that when she got to half a glass, she ain't going to stop. And so what I did is I had this plan before she ever got to half a glass. I said, when she gets to a half a glass, I'm going to pull my glass out from under the milk. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, and so, she, so I did, and she kept pouring the milk onto the table and got really mad at me. <laughs> wow. I, that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, it's just so funny how everybody's brains work differently and thank you for the call david he brought that up because in the last segment we were talking about the possibility that baby's consciousness is already inside them when they're in utero or before they were conceived or did it just appear inside of them one day when they're like three years old i know that there's this one youtuber lady and i'm not gonna remember her channel it it was so out there deep in the rabbit hole like not a whole lot of followers in my Older sister likes to follow her. Well, she claims that she remembers popping into her body at five years old. And she said she thinks whoever was in that body before got the heck out of it because her childhood was so miserable. And for whatever Hmm. reason, she got plopped in. That's weird. That is kind of weird. You would think that they would just like die and reset. Yeah. I I don't know what. Can you just like eject your soul? I have that's crazy. That is really fascinating. She's crazy. So. I because to me that doesn't <laughs> that that doesn't sound right to me in my intuition, but like I'm not saying she's wrong. Yeah, that's just what she thinks happened. But um, so Nikki, you had a story that you brought in tonight that is talking about people's unhealthy obsession with sickness. Yes, so this is from the Washington Post. Um, and an unhealthy obsession with sickness increases the risk of dying. Hmm. Um, and I. I liked this one for our Wednesday night shows because it it kind of goes along with a lot of what we typically talk about with like law of attraction, manifestation, how your mind creates your reality. 
Um, and I believe that our body and our cells are always constantly listening to us and our thoughts. And, and of course, it, you know, it, it makes a difference what you fuel your body with and, you know, physically like what you're eating and exercising and all of that. But I also do think that so much of sickness is cultivated from the mind. And this just kind of goes hand in hand with that a little bit. So the article goes on to say two Swedish people who were examined in a recent study had similar backgrounds. They were both born in the same year and lived in the same country or in the same county, rather. But one of them, a diagnosed hypochondriac, was much more likely to die of a serious illness. And if uh, the listeners don't know what that is, a hypochondriac is someone who constantly is thinking, oh, I'm sick, I'm going to get sick, being obsessed with being sick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly worried that they have some illness. So Swedish researchers studied people with and without hypo... I don't know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this. Hypochondriasis, also known as illness anxiety disorder, a diagnosis given to people who are paranoid about being or becoming sick. The study, published this month in the JAMA Psychiatric Journal, found that people diagnosed with hypochondriasis. I've only ever heard the word hypochondriac. Yeah. Hypochondriasis is how it's spelled. Were 84% more likely than people without the disorder to die of dozens of conditions, especially heart blood, and lung diseases, as well as suicide. And part of me wonders, too, um, because we all know that person who's like refuses to go to the doctor just because they're like, I think there might be something wrong with me, and I just don't want to know. Hmm. Um, But I also think that to a certain extent, I think if you go to the doctors, maybe they will find something wrong with you. Hmm. And I do believe that our body has an innate ability to heal itself you know, obviously, like we need to help it out a little bit. Oh, but for I sure. do think there are so many illnesses that we have that might be underlining, underlying that we could heal ourselves of. But if you go to the doctors and they run a test and they find it, then they might pump you full of medications and they may give you they all these treatments, give you the idea that it's oh untreatable or blah 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 or something. Or yeah, yeah, who knows? So. And I'm very convinced that certain things, this is very controversial, but I say it a lot. I'm very convinced that a lot of the treatments for a lot of these illnesses, especially things like cancer, where they're giving people chemotherapy, which is literally poisoning your body. I'm convinced that it is the treatment that kills people and it is not always the disease. And I'm not going to say that no one has ever died from a disease before. And I'm not going to say that, you know, um, like medical intervention and medications is always bad. I'm just saying maybe if, you know, you're maybe if the thought isn't implanted in your head, maybe your body will just heal whatever's going on with you and you can continue on without and I this agree. diagnosis. There's so, all kinds of studies about this. Go ahead, Riley. So it sounds like there might be a mind-body connection. Like if you're yeah. thinking something your your mind's gonna project this into your body, and your body's gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna project that for you." So I believe that the article goes on to say it's kind of a paradoxical finding, isn't it? Researcher David Myadix Coles told the Washington Post, "They worry so much about health and death, and then they end up having a higher risk of death, anyways." 
Previous research has found that people diagnosed with mental disorders are more likely to die at a younger age than those without the disorders. So yes. this isn't this goes beyond this, you know, illness, anxiety, hype, hype, being a hypochondriac. This goes with like any mental disorder. And I'm sure like if you're depressed or anxious, like that has to wreak havoc on your body. I mean, they right. say they even even like heart doctors, or, like cardiologists will tell you stress is the worst thing for your heart you are if you are stressed out if you work a stressful job doesn't matter what you eat doesn't matter how much you exercise you are more likely to die of a heart attack or heart disease this could be why jesus says don't worry about what clothes you're going to wear every day don't worry about what you're going to eat every day and then he points out do the birds worry about what they're going to eat no do the flowers worry about how they're going to be dressed no but look how they're um taken care of absolutely it's just because what can worrying do for you nothing it can only hurt you worry doesn't take away the sorrow tomorrow just 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 it just affects you how you live today yeah exactly it just takes away the peace that you have today yep so this researcher goes on to say um oh sorry i got lost so Mateus Coles said he had wondered if it would also be the case for hypochondriacs, prompting his research. So so he discovered, so that was already a finding that just in general, if you have mental disorders, that you're more likely to die at a younger age. Um, so he was wondering if that would be the same with hypochondriacs. So Mateus Coles said many hypochondriacs remain paranoid even if doctors assure them that they're healthy. Mm. Searching for information about their symptoms on the internet can also worsen a patient's anxiety. They experience a lot of suffering and hopelessness. Um, about a year ago, about we, Googling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a I hypochondriac, mean, like, but when I am sick and I'm like, well, what if it's this? And I Google. Yeah, it's never good. (laughs) Never good. So about a year ago, researchers began gathering data from Swedish census and health databases between 1997 and 2020. They identified 4,129 people who were diagnosed with hypochondriasis and compared each person to a group of 10 people who didn't have hypochondriasis, but had the same sex, birth year, and county of residence. Hmm. Researchers also considered marital status, education level, and family income. So there this is a sounds like a pretty good in-depth research study. Yep. Um over roughly 9 months of observation, 268 hypochondriacs in 1761 people without hypochondriasis died. The hypochondriasis died about five years younger on average than those without hypochondriasis. Hmm. Researchers also found that hypochondriacs can in that hypochondriasis can impact quality of life. Of course it does. Yep. People without hypochondriasis were more likely to be educated, married, and make more money than the hypochondriacs. Huh. Wow. And I think that could probably be be the same for a lot of mental illnesses you know what i mean like yeah i bipolar depression and anxiety i mean it's a lot of these mental illnesses it's it's kind of hard to build relationships all the time 
Yeah, I mean, um, it would be more difficult, at least, I think, if you're sitting around worried about everything all day to, like, yeah. go out and meet someone. And it, yeah, yeah, like, you're so worried about your illnesses. I mean, like, that's your main focus. So I, I could see. Or just, like, regular anxiety, like, you meet someone and then, like, it's hard to connect because you're like, oh, I think that they hate me. I think they're mad at me or something. Yeah, imagine having yeah. social anxiety, trying to find a partner. Yeah, that must be pretty hard, I think. Um so hypochondriasis is underdiagnosed, Matakes Cole said. So the risks of death could be even higher when accounting for undiagnosed cases. I'm surprised that's underdiagnosed. I feel like I know think- so many people that at least say yeah. they have that. Yeah, but I would think maybe it might look bad if you're going to the doctor all the time and the doctor is like hypochondriac and like puts yeah, that as a diagnosis yeah. in their medical record. Like it might feel because because hypochondriacs they're already like the doctor is always blowing me off i have all of these symptoms i'm Mm. sick i'm dying and the doctors are just blowing me off so if they were to put that in the chart oh and you're crazy (laughs) yeah like no you're a hypochondriac i'm sure some doctors totally would they might not want to because they're like yeah keep coming back yeah when you're worried yeah depending yeah i think it's always good to be aware of your symptoms and go to the doctor if you need to but you know, there's there's a point in which it's paranoia, and I think it's got to be up to the individual to figure out okay, what's what's paranoia and what's not, and it's hard. It's yeah, that it, balance it is. we were talking about earlier. There probably are some people that are so unaware of what's going on in their body that they're just like ow ow, and they're not even mm. thinking about it. Yeah. So there could be another yeah. end of the spectrum. And and of course, like we've all heard of stories where people are going to the doctors, like I have these like legit symptoms, and the doctors like. Yeah, I think you just have anxiety. You're fine. And they're like, they're like going, so like... Then they have a baby in the toilet. Yeah, yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> these things happen where... Oh, yeah. And then finally someone finds a doctor that actually listens to them or some sort of healthcare provider or like somebody to finally listen to them. And then it turns out they have something going on that none of the other doctors could or would diagnose sure and i think that's important to think about too is you know some people may have unexplained illnesses that doctors don't know anything about and doctors might just blow them off for a while and then all of a sudden this doctor comes along that could probably give you hypochondriasis yeah yeah so there's a tendency to perhaps debase their worries about their health as being made up um matakes coles said he he has a few theories about these findings. Hypochondriacs' life might be shorter because of chronic stress, which might also cause them to self-medicate with alcohol and drugs. Wow. He said some mm. patients might... That'll make uh, you feel better. I know, and right? be yeah. more healthy. He said some patients might avoid visiting doctors out of fear that they'll be diagnosed with a serious illness. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the opposite of my theory, I guess, from earlier. But... um. This sounds like he's just, I don't think this is anything that is actually coming from the findings. Yeah, these are just his theories. But Takes Coles hopes to learn more about hypochondriasis, such as how the disorder impacts patients' abilities to pursue education and careers. For now, he said that the more attention and resources should go into caring for people with this illness, which can be treated through cognitive behavioral therapy hmm. and antidepressants. Oh, no. That'll not make you feel good. Yeah, well, <laughs> it'll not make you feel. Yeah, that'll yeah, that'll not make you feel. <laughs> I guess it depends on the person. Some, some people might find it beneficial to take like an SSRI, but I don't think... I don't think prescribing them, them to everybody is always a good idea. I, I agree. Like, I can't say that I know that there's no one that it would help. I just 
really believe that if you if it's not your last choice thing to do like you don't haven't gone in like exercise like lost weight started making friends just yeah. change something huge in your life take some psychedelics yeah and, and you haven't done that well, and you're just like oh give me random people don't want to do the work and right. i think a lot of like depression and anxiety a lot of physical illness and you know a lot of the things that you know many people deal with um it takes a lot of work to to get through those things oh of course and it does most people don't want to do the work and i think it's easier for most people to take a pill uh, maybe it'll work for them Maybe it won't, but there, I, I do firmly believe there are always other ways, um, that people can get through whatever they're going through. Um, but it's also like not for me to decide whether, you know what I mean? Like if somebody doesn't want to make these like massive fundamental changes to their lives, like are hard. Yeah. Like it's really none of my business. And if you want to be on antidepressants or whatever, like that's, I mean, that's up to them. There are, there are, I, I do think they should be available for people that want them. Yeah. And I don't exactly. think they should be regulated. Yeah. I so. agree. Well, we have this article from Zero Hedge I wanted to quickly get into because it's pretty hilarious that Riley brought in. <laughs> it says King Charles delivers highly politicized speech to support collectivist net zero project. So and- a man with a magical title says some things about a. A project. Yes, a collectivist yep. project. Yep. It, it's a net zero, I think, is oh, we're gonna no longer put out any carbon emissions from our country, blah blah blah. And we're gonna How is that possible? Yeah. yeah. How is that possible? We all breathe carbon. It says King Charles is no friend of general humanity. Speaking at COP twenty eight, he said the earth does not belong to us, we belong to the earth. As wow. his, I mean, I kind of agree with yeah, that. Right? But- <laughs> Uh, but you, time, I don't like that he's saying it. But you know yeah. he took a private jet to get there. Oh, yeah. He took a private <laughs> they jet. They all do. And then also the fact that he says the earth does not belong to us reeks of he doesn't believe um, in private property. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Um, as with many know-your-place elitists, he appears to abhor the impacts that humans have on the planet. He exhibits, sadly, on a world stage, a snobbish disdain for capitalism, what used to be dismissed in British aristocratic aristocratic, sorry, circles as trade. This capitalist trend over the last 200 years was harn- has harnessed the power of natural hydrocarbons to raise billions to a standard of living and health unimaginable to previous generations. In 2009, Charles said we can no longer afford consumerism and the age of convenience was over. Mm. Wow, so he's not a psychic. Not for the new British king, it need hardly be observed. He lives a life of pampered indulgence where no expense is spared to ensure his every comfort. And that's quite ironic. Oh, yeah, because he wants to preach to you about the environment while he lives in relative comfort and gets to fly everywhere he wants to fly. There's always an exemption for the royals. Oh, of course there is. This has been Free Talk Live. Thank you so much. We'll be back live tomorrow. Peace. You can go to our website, freetalklive.com. If you want more. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. 
Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupinerealestate.com